on this, the fourth episode of Pixel Gaiden. Ten. Eric and Cody drink really cold beer. Nine. We give our definitions of retro. What exactly is a Metroidvania? Six good Game Boy Advance games. Eric's history with the Atari 5200. The first $100 Game & Watch edition. Eric's Game Boy SP blows Cody's mind. We spent a lot of money at the Goodwill. And Eric and Cody just talk a lot. Another visitor. Stay a while. Stay forever. Introducing your host, Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman! Alright, episode four is off and away. We are here. Eric, I see you're without your tandy today. I am without the tandy. Decided just to go old school paper and pen. That's not very uh, retro video game of you. That's more... Uh... Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I can hear the paper in the mic, too. It's very official. Yes. Great. Well, as we start every episode here, let's go ahead and open ourselves a beer. So what are we drinking here today? I've actually tried this one before, but... Yep. I try to pick ones you haven't tried, but, uh, you know, I failed this week, but it's Belching Beaver Brewery. It's the... What is it? Peanut Butter... Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Milk Stout. In fact, it's funny. I have the bottle up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saved it because it's a cool-looking bottle. All right, I'm pouring for myself first, which is rude. And I don't know how much is in here, so I'm going to try to I'll try to even things out. The first time I tried this wasn't... Um, it was my birthday this year. My wife bought me a ton of beer for my birthday, like a different, different beers we hadn't tried. And this was one of them, and it was in the can, which tonight we're drinking it out of a large bottle, but... Well, we're pouring into a glass, but... Yes. <laughs> Let's not get the wrong impression here. All right. As usual, I have my Dale Jr. glass, and you have a 13-mile point one marathon glass. All right. So there you go. My Cheers. Wife, my wife earned that one, not me. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yep. I always smell... The smell of this one's really good. I also enjoy the taste. Mm-hmm. So, being a stout, it is... Smooth and I guess you'd call that full-bodied. Um, it is obviously uh, you don't get a lot of hop flavor with stout, so it's very smooth. But you can definitely taste peanut butter. You can, you definitely can. And it it is interesting because it almost um, the milk part of it, which sounds like that'd be gross. <laughs> right. It actually does almost have a um, iced coffee kind of a flavor to it. That's that's what I get out of it is a little bit of a coffee, a little bit of a chocolate flavor in the stout. That's what I kind of contribute to the milk, like more like chocolate milk. <laughs> really tiny bubbles. Yep. But the peanut butter is definitely there in the forefront. I do like stouts. It's getting that season. I was going to say, we're a little early for them, but I do like them. So it is it is what it is. I've got a couple later, which are a little lighter. Maybe we should have started with the appetizers before <laughs> exactly. get, we went, going straight for the meal. But it is what it is. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our... Uh, Feedback slash mistakes section. Oh, so let's right. do let's do a sandwich here. Let's start with some good news. Did you did you hear anything back? Excuse me. Through our contacts. Through our contact. Well, for I'm example, 
a listener could, if they chose, and is highly encouraged, to reach out to us via our email or even the Facebook page, which... <laughs> do we have a Facebook <laughs> well, no, page? No, we don't. I keep t- saying I'm going to make it, but you're not going to do it for I, us, are I, you? I won't do Facebook, sorry. <laughs> nope. But no I'll, I'll but do Twitter. anything else. So we're on Twitter. We're pretty strong on Twitter. and uh, Well, strong. <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, we're on Twitter, and we're on Podbean. You can, I guess that kind of has a little social media... Well, we definitely need to up our game in this section, I'll be honest. But email seems to be our main form of contact, along with Twitter. Yep. So... For those details, listen to the end of the show. We'd love to hear from you. But what what did we hear so far in this last month? Anything? You know, I should be better about collecting those, but we did hear from Joshua on Twitter, and uh, he said he was listening to us from, uh, what was it? Uh, Joshua. Was it a football game? Football football training, waiting for his son, I think. There you go. He said he listened to it, and he enjoyed it. So thank you, Joshua. Thank you very much. And uh, I know we received a couple earlier in the month, but I forgot to write them down. So ah, I need to. I need. I don't actually have access to that yet, or at least I probably do, but I don't know it. To the I want to know. What, to I know the what Pixel Guidance account. Yeah, to our um, email. The, oh, to the email. You it, it you do it it. So the way I have it is when someone sends us something, it goes to you and me. We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> I just don't think we've received anything yet. Oh come on! Let's not admit that on live to tape. Well, I will go ahead and uh, take us down another notch here and admit a mistake. Oh, okay. I'm expecting like all these people to tell us how wrong we are about stuff. Luckily, we haven't gotten any hate mail. We've only gotten positive stuff. Yeah. But I do uh, listen to my own podcast, yes, to make sure everything went out there fine. And uh, also just because I love hearing the sound of my own voice. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed the fact that last episode, I was trying to make a point that we were covering. I can't remember exactly what the point was, but... It was every letter from A to Y, is what I said. <laughs> Somehow completely forgetting there are 26 letters in the alphabet. And um, what, what were we talking I, about? I, you know, at this point, I can't remember. Do you remember what? I just listened to myself. I'm like, what are you thinking? Were we talking about a specific console? Because maybe you were right. Maybe there's no Z games on that console. <laughs> I don't know. I, just I don't was, remember. I didn't catch it. That so. was ridiculous, but... Catching up with Eric and Cody. So what have you been up to, Eric? Well, let's see. Where should I start? I'm going to start with um, a GameCube. So I think you do this as well. I play GameCube games on my Wii. At least I did for a long time. But I always want to have the genuine, you know, the genuine console. So I went and found a $13 GameCube on Shop Goodwill. And I had it shipped. You need to stop telling people about that site. I know. Including me. Well, I got it for $13. It's not so bad. I got it shipped, and it came in a box. I saw that. With nothing else. <laughs> like, it wasn't in any kind of wrapping, no bubble wrap, no no even paper around it. A new employee. Somebody literally <laughs> put it in a box about three times too large for it. And with, with the power supply, so a little heavy block in there bouncing around. And so I pulled it out, and it looked fine, but when you shook it, you could hear some pieces in it. Oh, no. So I plugged it in, and it worked, believe it or not. Wow. So that was nice. Um, Lucky. I did get another GameCube, because I found another one for $20, <laughs> and I From grabbed it. To two? I grabbed it. In and, three days. And here's the reason why, is 
I, and you know me, I like tinkering with hardware as much as actually playing the games. Mm -hmm. So I went and I got the action replay disc for it. Yeah. And that allows you, I got the one that allows you to use the SD media launcher, which there's this little thing looks like a memory card, but it has an SD slot in it. So you can put ISOs on it and you're supposed to be able to boot the ISO off of the SD card. Gotcha. So, and I, there's videos online of this and it mm -hmm. works and it supposedly works great. Well, not great. There's some compatibility with certain games. Did, did the price of the action replay skyrocket because of this? It did. It did. There, it was about, I, I negotiated on eBay because there was a make offer and I got it for like 50 bucks. But okay. So it's not super cheap. No, it's interesting that you say that because I had a box of random uh, Nintendo DS stuff because I got my girls each a DS. Okay. Um. Anyways, there, so there was a, a box of extra stuff. And, of course, I've got, like, seven different versions of pets with a Z. Yeah. And, uh, like, Barbie, whatever, yeah. ma magic maker, whatever. Yep. It's amazing how much garbage is on that system and how many people bought it. Um, yep. So, anyways, I was trying to get rid of that box of, of junk. Right. And I'm like, well, before I do, let me just make sure there's nothing, like, worth anything in here. And there was a completely, to me, it was garbage. I didn't need it. But it's a completely brand new and packaged uh, action replay DSi. Okay. Which, first of all, I don't have a DSi. I have a DS. Both my girls got a DS. This is a DSi, which is a same platform but different system. Yeah. Right? I, I, when I was looking for an action replay, I saw those on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. So the action replay DS was like 12 bucks. Like, mm -hmm. Nobody cared about it. And then this DSi was going for like 80 bucks. Wow. I'm like, there's a catch. There's something there. And I'd never figured out what it is. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. You could, might be able to do that, yeah. Oh, no, I sold it because <laughs> unlike you, I don't keep everything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a hoarder. Yeah, especially if it's not for a system I own. So I sold it and bought some of the other things behind this magic oh, blocky, nice. blockade yeah, here that, I saw that, that we'll you get have to. Yeah, a magic curtain here. Yeah, I want to keep it a surprise. So, we, uh, so I got the action replay and uh, the disc wouldn't boot in that GameCube. That's why I bought the second GameCube is... I wanted to rule out that it was something wrong with the GameCube. It would not boot the action replay. It would boot all my real GameCube games like uh, Mario Sunshine, Ikaruga. It would boot those. So I knew it worked, but it didn't boot that action replay. Hmm. And so I got this second GameCube and I got that for like $20. They're pretty, you can find those so cheap. Hmm. And the one nice thing is the second one came with a really nice real controller because I always, I just have a third party one. But anyway. It's yeah, here nor there. Game, GameCube controllers are a pretty penny, they, relatively. They're probably, what, 30 bucks a, pe a piece? Something, something like that. And I actually, it's one of the few Nintendo controllers I actually like. Mm. So, <laughs> but anyway, so the second GameCube uh, came in. Oh, you have be careful what you say there. Yeah. That's, uh, eh. The action replay um, works on the second one. But okay. about a week of tinkering with it, I still have not been able to boot a single ISO off the SD card. So... Huh. Uh, something is wrong. The, the The program that does it is called Swiss, and it's on the SD card. So Action Replay boots Swiss, and Swiss launches the ISO. They all launch, but it comes up to the Nintendo logo. And like with Luigi's Mansion, it'll, it'll say, you know, whatever it says. It says something in the beginning, and then it just doesn't boot the rest of the mm. way. So something I'm doing something wrong or something isn't working right. So i got to figure that out. And, of course, an ISO being a, essentially a ROM, but for mm -hmm. a CD. Yeah, it's a CD image. CD so my, image. my next step is I'm actually, I ordered those little tiny discs. 
So oh, the, gonna, the little GD ROMs? Yep. That's and what so they call I'm going right? to actually burn one to that because the action replay <laughs> is supposed to be able to boot that right off of the disc. I actually might have a few of those for you. Of oh, the blank ones? I don't know if they're GD ROMs though, but they're small CDs. Hmm. Probably not. It's probably something different. I don't know. I'll show it to you later. Because I, right. I actually, it's funny. So I actually, <laughs> this random tangent, I uh, went down to, we have a local waste uh, drop off center. Yeah. You're familiar with that over there off of, uh, well, in Elk Grove, it's off of Grantline Road. Yes, um, I am familiar with and that. And you can drop off your waste there and they will take it from you, which is funny because they have to act like everything is poison and you actually pull in with your vehicle. They don't let you get out of your vehicle. They have to ask you where the stuff is. You verbally tell them and they get it out of your car and hmm. then you drive off. <laughs> but what kind of waste? Like e-waste too? Anything. Yeah. Well, they'll take it. All right. Me. So if you can prove that you have an Elk Grove... Um, residency with a license or a piece of mail or whatever, you're allowed to go to their store and pick out up to 10 items for free. So basically they find stuff that people threw away as a waste that's still potentially good. So they, wow. you might go there and find a bunch of random cans of spray paint that are half full or in some cases all the way full. I grabbed a bunch of those fancy metallic spray paints that yeah. cost like 10 bucks. Do they ever have like CRTs <laughs> like or anything or? So they don't put that stuff in the store, but there's a pallets of them out there. So I don't know. And that's. So how do you buy them? I mean, do you, you don't want... buy them. You just say, I want this. So oh. I don't know if you can take those or not, because those are in the hazardous waste area where you can't get out of your car. Oh, OK. I haven't tried that yet. But long story short, or medium at this point, <laughs> um, I was in there and someone had dropped off a, a pack of new small CDs, a small. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I'll take them. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them, but I'll take them. I got a bunch of random things. I got a fish filter, brand new fish filter. Yeah, if this works, I, I if this works, I it doesn't matter to me whether I boot them off. Of, it's just you know, GameCube games now are getting pretty pricey. Nintendo's stuff lately has always been yeah. Even the Wii stuff, the good stuff is yep, almost almost the price it was when you bought it. Yep. All right, cool. So what do you got? Well, we've we've got a lot of catching up here. Yeah, um, I've got a lot of stuff, but I want quick I want to pinball. Hear what you got going on. Yeah, quick pinball news. Uh, it's not really news, but my uh, I did sell as I we discussed last week my pinball machine, my Paragon, and um, that machine left a hole in my garage. So I was able to bring my machine my buddy was watching for me uh, back home. So I've got all my pinball machines back in my garage now. Oh, so that was a, a game called Space Shuttle, and uh, I'm sorry, not Space Shuttle, Space Station. There is a game called Space Shuttle, and it's one of my favorite games I've ever owned, so I'm glad to have it back. Now, we, did you play that play before it. you owned it now? Did you ever play it in the past? Yeah, I had it in my garage for a while. Oh, to, yeah, I, but I, I mean, before that, did you ever see it when you were younger? Or no, That's funny. So, I guess a quick pinball history. I literally remember, I think, two games from when I was a kid. Yeah. I never played pinball as a kid, so this is a whole new thing for me. <laughs> Okay. In the last three years. So I remember playing Adam's Family when I was a kid because that game was everywhere. Yeah, I remember that one too. And I remember playing probably Pinbot. Oh, that's an old one. Yeah, I don't remember. I guess now I can't remember. I, remember I know, I know Adam's Family. There was like a Terminator, Terminator 2. There Terminator you go. That's, I that's... remember that one like was downtown. I don't know if you, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you even lived in Sacramento but way back, but there was an arcade in Old Sac, hmm. and it was like underground, so it was very dark. 
But they had, I remember them, ha- they had that Terminator 2 pinball machine. They did, yeah. Yeah. Actually, so there's still a place in an old set called Fanny Ann's. Okay. And they have, well, last time I checked, they had a Terminator 2. Okay. Um, they have like seven machines and the, all the video games, which I don't understand how this worked for them, uh, are at the very top floor, which there's four floors there. Oh, wow. They're very, they're very short floors. I've never been there. So somehow they get those games to the very top. Okay. They must have a, a maintenance elevator. Yeah. So, so anyways, that one's back. I also, um, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show, but um, I picked up a couple of pachinko machines, which are of interest to me. A lot of people call them uh, pinball machines, but they're not. No. They're technically, uh, I guess, a bagatelle. Have you ever heard that term? I have never heard of it, no. So a bagatelle is essentially what became pinball. And, you know, pinball, the concept is the ball would shoot out of a lane and then bounce and bounce off of pins until it landed somewhere. Yeah. So a lot of people call those flipperless pinballs, where it's more of a game of chance. Oh, okay. Um, and then if there's nowadays, you know, if the old, really old ones with no flippers would also be called bagatelles. I mean, the only skill you have is how hard you flip the ball at that point. Right. Like plunge, plunge the ball. But in Japan, uh, pachinko, obviously, for those who have heard of it, is became the big thing. And it's more of a gambling device. It's uh, like a, a slot machine would be over here. And they have pachinko parlors. And uh, I've done some research on it. So this is the research I've done. So if I'm wrong, blame my research. But basically, uh, they're notice, notice, you know, you go in there and it's just filled with smoke. Kind of like uh, casinos here used to be. Yeah. And everyone's playing pachinko machines, so you shoot the ball. They're per- perfectly vertical, um, and these pachinko machines are all uh, built into cabinets. So there'd be just rows of these things, and uh, they're really—I mean—they're still still releasing them. They're still over there, um, but they're really big in the '50s through '70s. Um, and what was interesting about these is they're completely mechanical. They have a couple of lights on there. They're just powered by a transformer but it's just a couple lights that's it there's nothing powering the mechanisms so it's all gravity fed yeah um so what's cool about it is for me is they uh you could gauge how hard you flick the ball it's a little different it's not a plunge it's kind of a flick and then they bounce down the pins and you try to get jackpots um but eventually all the balls would would go work their way through the machine and end up in a tray inside the ca- uh, the uh cabinets and um they would, a light would turn on the machine, and whoever is maintaining the machines would have to find those lights, open them up, and put the balls back in the top. <laughs> like, they had no mechanism to get the balls back to right. feed the machine again. So they yeah. manually did that, and they just were opening these things and closing them all day, feeding the machines. Yeah. Um, so basically, I got these machines, and I've got them working more or less. But when they brought a bunch of these machines over to the U.S. in the late 70s, they literally ripped them right out of the cabinets. So none of the machines, A, have a way to support them. They're just the machines. And without the cabinets, you just kind of lean them up against something or you have to try to build something to hold them up. Yeah. So I was going to build, or I did build, this is what I did recently, is built a box out of uh, one by 10 wood. And I rounded the edges and made it all pretty. And I plan on painting it and putting the machine in there and putting it on my wall. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool. It'll be fun to play. Yeah. Um, issue is when they sent them over from Japan, again, they just ripped them out of the cabinets. So they still have a lock on them. Well, they never took the time to find the right key and place the key with the machine before they sent it. They just sent the machine. So now I have to take out the locks and find a way to 
uh, attach a rope or create a pulley mechanism to unlatch it from the outside because once they close that box, there's no way to get in the box without just destroying the whole thing. Yeah. So I that's what I'm working on now. <laughs> I if you can get a locksmith to just give, make a mold of a new key. Like just rekey it. That's not a bad idea. However, it's still, if I ever did lose the key, yeah, there's no way to get in the box without just destroying it. And at that point, it's attached to my drywall. Right. <laughs> we'll a, see. Make some copies. But <laughs> well, what was interesting about that is, is um, a lot of people, you know, that's commonly known, that's the gambling device over there. Yeah. But it's always been illegal, actually, over there. And so the way they get around that is the ball, people would go and pay for the balls. So essentially, the balls are worth money. I don't know how much... A ball is roughly right. Each one of these metal balls has an insignia embossed on it, or not embossed, but imprinted on it. Yeah, and those were specific to that pachinko parlor. And then, uh, if you won, you would take it to the quote-unquote prize counter. I say, if you won, when you're done, you take your your balls as if they're poker chips. Take it to the prize counter, and your prize is bars of soap. <laughs> right. So you take all these bars of soap, and that's all they had to do with it on paper and then magically if you happen to know about it which everyone on that block did right there's a place like three doors down that had no relation whatsoever that happened to pay large months of money for bars of soap but it had to be that specific type so that's how they got around the gambling thing uh, there's always think, a way around it right i just think it's interesting yeah so i'm excited cool. to get that thing up and running yeah i remember seeing it uh on a, vi a prior visit and uh you know when i first saw it i thought Maybe this is the first one I had seen, but I kind of have this memory because I lived in Hawaii when I was a little kid. Oh, wow. Really? Like before I was five. So I'm talking yeah. about early, early memories. And I, I, that, it just rang a bell in my head. Like, I think I may have seen some in Hawaii and that would have been in the seventies. That, that would have made sense too, though, because yeah. Hawaii is as much visited by mainlanders as it is Japanese. Yeah. Yep. So I think I saw some there, but anyway. Interesting. Yeah. What else? Um, so I, in the last episode, I talked about installing the one megabit upgrade for the Atari yes. 800XL. And that went fine. And I've played some of the games that take advantage of that. But I also went back and started playing some of the old school Atari games like River Raid, Moon Patrol. And are, they, are they a lot different on the 800 than they are on the 2600 or the... Uh, ColecoVision, for that matter. <laughs> so they are almost identical to the Atari 5200 versions. Which I do not own. Yeah, and okay. I don't have one now. I had one as a kid, but I don't own one right now. And that was kind of the nostalgia vibe for me. Oh, as okay. I threw in Moon Patrol, and it was exactly the same as I remember it on the Atari 5200. <laughs> and I love Moon Patrol. In fact, that was the first, uh, not the first, but one of the very first bass lines I learned is I played the theme song of Moon Patrol on my bass. Oh, yeah. For me, it was, that's funny that you mentioned that. For me, it was, uh, uh, what do they call it? The Peter Gunn theme oh. from Spy Hunter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. So um, I played uh, River Raid, Moon Patrol, Asteroids, um, and they're more, uh, the more in line with, uh, with the uh, 5200, but it, it kind of makes me feel like I don't need to get an Atari 5200. Oh, I thought you were looking for one. I think I am. Because the, the final thing when I played, after I played all those, is I remembered the crappy controllers on the Atari 5200. Mm -hmm. well, can you, are they not just a regular DB9 They're not. connector? They're not. Uh, they're a connector. They have a DB9 connector, but they are a little joystick that is very squishy 
with four buttons on the sides. So there's two orange buttons on each side. Do they do different things? And then there's a keypad. Oh, there is a keypad. Uh, so I can't, maybe they're not DB9. You know, that's, I don't remember. Yeah, because for the, I'm looking at my 7800. No, the 7800 is. It's got the two buttons, but they both do the same thing, right? No. Yeah, the Atari 5200 doesn't. So okay. it must be a different connector. I'd have to, hmm. I'll have to look that up. But it kind of quenches my thirst for not getting Atari 5200 because there's a lot of good reasons not to not to refurbish one of those because the bad controllers, although you could buy a rebuild kit for those. Yeah. But um, I don't want to get too That's much That's what I always that. hear about the 5200. Everyone says that's the worst of the three. For controllers, yes. For the games, they're actually very good arcade ports. Th this is always what amazed me about Atari, though, is it came out the 2600 or mm -hmm. Atari uh, CVS, as it was actually called. They called mm -hmm. it 2600 later after everyone else called it that, right? Yep. Um, came out in 77, I believe. Something like that, yeah. And they released games on it until like 83 or so. And then they came out with the 5200, and they're like, cool, let's release those exact same games. Same games, but way better graphics. Yeah, but I let's mean, release way better. those it's exact same games. And then they were developing a new system called the 7800 with the exact same game. <laughs> yeah. And then they didn't release it. And then, wasn't it uh, Tramel, right? Jack Tramel or whatever. They, they, they had produced the product and everything, decided to put it on hold because... The, the crash and all that and then a few years later nintendo was killing it so he goes whatever let's fight them with the 7800 which we have a stock on and of course it just fell on its face because right. they were the exact same game yeah I, uh, so how, do you, are, how to, do you not think about releasing new new games i don't i don't understand that yeah, logic to me though if you compare like let's just say pac-man Pac-Man on the Atari 5200 and the 2600, they're night and day different. That's a bad example, though. But but the That's... 5200, I mean, they're <laughs> very accurate. It, it, they're very similar to the arcade systems. Well, and, and Asteroids would be a bad example, too, because on the 2600, the Asteroids only traveled vertically. They did, yeah. For some reason, they couldn't get horizontal going on there. Right. Um, it's funny, because I have the... Uh, actually, I have one I really dislike... Uh, the very first Atari flashback before they were even numbering them. Mm -hmm. And it actually, it's the Atari flashback. It's mostly 2600 games, but for Pac-Man and for Asteroids, they use the 7800 version. Okay. And the controllers that are included with that, even though it's a 2600 body, are the 7800 controllers. Hmm. It's the weirdest amalgamation of things. Yeah. Um, uh, another tangent here. I'm actually, I'm going to be checking Shop Goodwill for this. The Atari Flashback 2? Yeah. Do you know what's neat about that particular one? I don't. I don't own any of them. So I, I don't know the whole story. Yeah, because now they're on the Flashback 8 HD. Mm. Okay. Uh, basically, they actually have HDMI now, which is it's Atari game. I mean, whatever. I have CRTs. I don't need HD personally. but And they keep adding more and more games, and they went wireless with the controllers. The cool thing about the Atari Flashback 2 is it's not, uh, well, I guess it's, it's hardware emulated. It's not software emulation. So the first one I have is the seventy or is the Atari Flashback, and it was basically an NES on a chip that they just made the games play on it. Gotcha. It's terrible. It's oh. absolutely terrible. Okay. Um, my loving wife gave it for gave it to me, which is one of the few gaming things she's ever bought me. So I do appreciate it for that. And I remember she was so so sad because I never played it, and she, <laughs> and I never wanted to tell her that I did try it and it was terrible. Right. 
It looks cool. Um, so I got I have the the flashback three up there, which is decent. The cool thing about the flashback two is it is actually a hardware recreation of the twenty six hundred. So like an F on FPGA or using the actual chips? I, I think it's it's a, a I don't know it's okay. its own chipset. I don't know if there's an FPGA. I doubt it because it was a very cheap console. Yeah. But what you can do with it, and I don't haven't actually done it, but I've been wanting to get one of these because um, you can get them used for like eight ten bucks. Yeah. Um, you can actually open it up and solder a connector in there and play all your Atari games on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I guess and I of course, there's no advantage to doing that because I have an Atari. Well, but that but is HDMI, right? Or no, it, it doesn't. It's, it's composite? It's composite. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, composite. Yeah. RCA. But what what is cool about it, too, that number two as well, um, is the controllers are really nice, almost identical to the real ones, and they're DB9s. They're identical. Huh. So you can plug that right into your Atari, and you'll have brand new controllers for your 2600 oh, for huh. like eight bucks. Yeah, I I just lost an auction for the ColecoVision flashback, like yep. on Shop Goodwill. Because oh, I wanted really? one of those, and it was like 11 bucks or something, and I got outbid, and I didn't sn- snipe it in time. So Yeah, I've got my Intellivision and the ColecoVision up there. but Yeah. Um, did you finish your, your point, or did I just nope. completely take you off the rails? Nope, I finished it. That's, All right. Oh, what I was going to tell you, though, is I did go, and this kind of touches on something else. Our local game store, which I, I talked to, uh, to him the other day and uh, told him we, we mentioned him on our last show, but I went in there and talked to him again, and um, they did have a 5200 in the case. I took a picture and I was going to send it to you. I think I forgot to do that. You did, but the funny thing is, I, I think I went in after you because I said, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Hey, your buddy was in here." Oh yeah, yeah, Cody. yeah. Um, but I didn't see the fifty-two hundred in there. I would oh. have probably snagged it. It's there. I'll have to go look. I thought it was there. Because sure I, did, I didn't see it. I didn't see. It. I know he has a really nice television. He's got a. Um, I saw that. Um, there's a <clears throat> fat PS2, which I need to get one of these days. I have a slim PS2. Oh okay. But yeah. I'm, I have a slim PS2, and then that, uh, where is it? Is that my fat one? Yeah, there's the slim up there. That's my fat one, but that's a Japanese console. Oh, nice. Which I got so I could play imports. Yeah. I need to get a fat one because there's all sorts of mods you can do for the hard drive inside. Okay. Um, with You can't do on the slim. Oh, well, now I'm going to have to do that too. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Exactly. All right. Well, my next point on catching up here, I can get my notes here. Oh, you had sent me a picture. This is kind of non-game related, kind of game related. Mm-hmm. I sent a picture of the Portal board game. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how good this could this be? And we talked about last time about Centipede and Missile Command, how they're kind of releasing some of those. Yep. Well, I think right now Border, Borders is, is selling a bunch of their board games. In fact, I picked up a bunch. Barnes & Noble? Yes, Barnes & Noble. The I wish that, it was Borders. The I ones like that Borders. still exist. Borders is gone. I'm sorry. Yes, but, Barnes um, & Noble. And they actually have all three of those games I just mentioned at 75% off right now. Oh, wow. So if you want to give it a shot, go pick it up. It's like 10 bucks. I've somebody, <laughs> I think it was somebody on Twitter like maybe a year ago was telling me that that Centipede game is actually pretty fun. Yeah, I've, I've heard that one. I don't know if Missile Command was as good, but yeah. if I can go pick those up, those would be like 9 or 10 bucks now. I'd pick those both up just to put them on the shelf. Hey, so this isn't related. I didn't put this in my notes, but now that you mentioned Portal, the board game, have you seen that there there's a guy working on Portal for the Commodore 64? In fact, I talked about that last episode. Yeah, Where were right. you, Eric? Uh, I do remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did talk about that. But I, I saw some footage of it, finally. Yeah? It looks pretty good. It looks really good. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's going to be great. Yep. I that's really, right. You did talk about that. For the most that. part, when uh, when we talk about our news and stuff, I don't 
like mentioning things that are like in development or whatever because who cares yeah um but that one last time i checked is 80 percent done and i do care because that looks really cool yeah and i will definitely turn on my c64 for that right on so speaking of ps2 you've been playing yours yeah so i uh the gamecube kind of wet my appetite for that kind of disc-based games so i was messing around with my ps2 and my son had actually come up to me and said hey i'm thinking about getting kingdom hearts when it comes out and he's never played any kingdom hearts he's just seen some footage of it and thought it was interesting so I, to this day i think it's the weirdest mashup of things i can't so believe they I. made it work it's like how did disney ever meet up with square enix and like think hey let's put together let's smash up final fantasy with uh it's yeah it's bizarre it is bizarre and i i have booted up not to mention all of their like disney worlds just like we'll just go ahead and put all those disney worlds that right. are completely unrelated just together yeah it, it, it is bizarre toys, um, toy stories or toy story slash mickey slash can't remember all the properties but they own the world now at this point so yeah so i i uh, was talking to my son about it and and i had my ps2 has a soft mod so like i burned kingdom hearts a long time ago and i did kind of throw it in there and i'd play it for 10 minutes and then i was like oh, okay i'm moving on to something else but i was thinking you know I, I should give those an honest try give them a good go and so like i went and bought them because i got them for seven bucks each mm. um at dimple records on uh on arden they have a pretty good selection of some older games Did they really? yeah so i i grabbed kingdom hearts one and two and with the manuals with the cases everything nice. and uh i started kingdom hearts one and it's it's pretty fun it's hard to get used to that kind of control was kingdom hearts kingdom hearts one was ps2 huh it is yeah okay huh there's like three i think three kingdom hearts games there's kingdom hearts one and two and then there's one called chains or chains of something and it comes between one and two but hmm. i don't remember the name of it but yeah those are all on ps2 so you're enjoying them or so, so far, I, I am enjoying it. It's hard to wrap your brain around when you're used to first-person kind of games. It's hard to wrap your, your mind around, you know, like you have two, when you have two sticks, one is the camera view and one is move, mm -hmm. moving. It's not like that because it's kind of, you know, before they settled on that control scheme. Yeah, it's scheme. weird that, that our minds, we never noticed the change because it was subtle yeah. until it became what it is now. Yep. So you basically move with the left stick, but the right stick does nothing other than move yourself, move a menu. And you use the triggers to actually look left and right. Oh, weird. It's weird. So it's taken me, uh, I don't want to say that's bad, but there is like in the very beginning of the game, there's like this obstacle course you have to run. And okay. <laughs> I'm fumbling around because I can't control myself right. Because I'm used to, I'm so used to modern games. Yep. It's just very hard to get back into that. So it's not a, so far. I, I like the game a lot. I like the game quite a bit, but okay. I, I'm still struggling with the controls. Very cool. Yeah. I've been playing a few games. Um, the PS4, uh, it's a new month. So they have a new, new games released for free on PlayStation network. Yeah. Of which I am a fan because for 60 bucks, I get a full year worth of, free games every month which ends up being five bucks a month which is a deal and i was interested to see that um the the classic game another world yeah for, that was the big amiga title was the big what it was a big amiga title so it well it, okay um 
interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure so, it came out for other stuff. Yeah. So I remember that game when I was a kid. There was a few games that were kind of, um, again, I don't even know what the, how the media, I never saw media or I never saw game reviews. I just saw stuff that I found, like demo discs and things. Mm-hmm. And I remember that game and um, uh, uh, what's it called? Alone in the Dark. Is that what it's called? There is a game called Alone in the, the Dark. Yeah, yeah, like where the it's kind of similar suit. It's 3D-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being so amazed at that time that they, I mean, the characters are all rotoscoped, so they, they seem to move correctly, and yep. it looked so cool and so cinematic at that time. And I remember playing that game on the PC at that point. That's where, where I played it. And um, just thinking how cool it was, but not being able to get past anything because I couldn't get, wrap my mind around how it played. I was used to Super Mario Brothers and that kind of gameplay. Right. That immediate gameplay, you jump, you jump. Or this, you kind of had that lag, like the guy had to complete his action to get to the jump. Right. And, and so I remember even the first screen, you pop out of the water, you're on the screen, you go to the right, there's leeches on the ground. <laughs> and I remember that, that weird cutscene of this leech with this little, like, finger that popped out i guess it was a tooth do you remember this i i didn't actually play another world okay Um, i i i remember seeing it playing on an amiga at a friend's house okay and i was thinking wow these graphics are amazing you know back in the day (laughs) this was this was like in the early 90s and just thinking oh my god this is amazing Uh, you know but i never had it so i never played it so anyways i remember that, that leech attacking you and then you die then the screen goes black and then you start over again um, and there's little save points, mm-hmm. basically. You, you don't visually see them, but once you hit them, that's where you go back to. Right. Of course, as a kid, I didn't know that because I never made it far enough to get to a save point because I couldn't get past the first two screens. <laughs> so anyways, I pulled this game up and uh, played it. And actually, uh, I got about a quarter of the way through it without any help. And then it got hard to the point where I had to go online and see how to pass stuff. And it's just the game design is so archaic. I know, I guess a lot of people love this game, and it actually got good, this re-release got good reviews. Yeah. But I can't, um, <laughs> it was fun playing halfway through it. I didn't go any further, I'm done with it. Yeah. Um, it's funny, because you early in the game, you pick up a gun, thinking, great, now I can shoot things. Well, it's this really weird system where you start your laser gun, and it creates this barrier in front of you, and then you have to, like, scoot yourself forward a little bit, so your gun now points in front of the barrier, so you can shoot other people. But hmm. they can't shoot you because there's a barrier. It's like it's really weird. It that is weird. And it wouldn't have ever made sense to me if I didn't watch a video and watch someone do it. Hmm. So I was playing the game wrong forever, trying to just shoot first and hopefully not get shot. And even if I ducked, I'd get shot in the head. I'm like, what's going on? I didn't I, even know that was out on PC. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the PS4, uh, I'm sure that other systems too, but they kind of updated the graphics a little bit. They kind of basically just... Uh, round off everything, uh, got rid of all the jagged edges and, um, kind of the, uh, like if you're going through a cave, the background has some texture and the rocks, instead of just being black, have texture. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought I read that that came out on the switch too. Oh, I'm sure it did. And they probably charged $60 for it on the switch. I bet they did. (laughs) Uh, in addition, I continued to play Chrono Trigger. I am actually at the point in the game now where I have one boss battle left. Really? Against Lavos. Yeah. Wow, that's so impressive. I will uh, finish that. No, I, I enjoyed it. That being said, I was actually looking at a bunch of top, you know, whatever Nintendo lists, and they have this game, like, on top of a lot of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people consider it number one, or at worst, number three, and all kinds of lists for RPGs listed near the top. 
and I still like almost every action RPG I've ever played better. It's really? a good game. The story is good. I love the graphics. Um, the sound is great. All that. I just think the and I, it's funny because I love turn-based gameplay, but I don't like just doing the same battles over and over again. I like every battle to mean something. I want every decision to mean something. I don't. The, I guess the grind isn't wasn't in it for me. Yeah, that game can be grindy for sure. And I do like grinding if it's action RPG though. Right. Because then I'm actually actively involved. I'm not. I mean, half the game at this point, I literally start a battle and just keep hitting A over and over again while I search for things on my computer. Hmm. And at that point, it's not fun. It's just. You just got to do. Yeah. yeah. But I'm going to finish it and I do enjoy it. So nothing nothing bad there. Cool. A couple other games I played um, Guacamelee. I've I'm heard, sure of, you've heard of this. I've definitely heard of it and I've seen some a couple of videos a long time ago of it. So this is a I'm gonna say the word Metroidvania. Yep. We're gonna just, we're gonna discuss that later. Okay. Um, but oh my goodness, it's good. So the, and I heard on I I heard about it on a podcast where they were talking about Metroidvanias and they said that that one was like one of the best modern Metroidvanias. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is it is very good. Um, it's definitely a newer style game than the retro. You know, for example, Super Metroid is often considered the best. Yeah. Um, this game was much... You do a whole lot more mm-hmm. in a whole lot less time. So there's little challenges in front of you, but they don't, they're don't they not hard to get past. Every once in a while, you might have a little brain scratcher, but you think about it. Um, they do a good job of hand-holding you through when you get new abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's really cool about it is... Uh, well, the humor is hilarious. It's great. Um your upgrades literally come from giant, the what do they call them, Chozo statues, just mm. like on Metroid. Yeah. It's the exact same statue. Yeah. They, they didn't even hide it. They're just like, here it is. Right. Um, but it, it just, it's so good. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, really bright colors. It's got that Dia de los Muertos theme to it. Yeah. Kind of like Coco is really big right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Guacamole 2 is going to be coming out soon. So, wow. Actually, I think it's already out. It is already out. I wonder if they're going to come out with that on the Switch. I'm sure they will. Sounds like something I would like. The last one I did want to mention is we talked about BioEvil 4. I don't know if you remember this. I do. The browser-based Resident Evil 4 done in a Ghost and Goblin style. And it's actually pretty good. It's really hard. I would say it's even harder than Ghost and Goblins. Um, Really? Ghost and Goblin's pretty tough. (laughs) But it's pretty cool. I was going through it, and, um, you know, the the characters are definitely 2D sprite versions of the Resident Evil 4 characters. Oh, wow. And uh, to save, you go into little huts that have that that Resident Evil 4 music, and there's a little typewriter there, just like in Resident Evil 4, and that's how you save your progress. And then you hop back out and keep going. So you play that in a web browser just on any PC or whatever? Yep. You can use keyboard controls. Um, It didn't feel right to me, so I I connected my 8-bit dough. And use that, um, even though when you do that, the the joystick controls that they select for you feel awkward. So I quickly put it in keyboard control mode and then use the joy to key program yeah. to basically program my controls from the 8-bit dough to the keyboard controls so I can do what I want with it, which is one thing I do hate about having to use 8-bit or any kind of joystick controller on a PC, really. Right. So I picked up Forza Horizon 4 on the Xbox One. Do you have... Do oh, you, yeah. Do you like racing games? I don't think we ever talked about racing games. That's interesting. Um, so I've never owned an Xbox. 
actually do own one technically now, but it's downstairs and I kind of use it just for yeah. playing, um, uh, I don't know, play, basically playing Netflix and stuff. It's an um, Xbox One or 360? No, 360. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, but no, that being said, on my PlayStation 3, I bought a racing wheel with force, force feedback and pedals. Yeah. And I actually, um, I was too cheap to buy the whole rig. Um, so I built one out of two by twos. <laughs> And sit, and then actually you're sitting in the chair. Yeah. So that what you're sitting in right now is a uh, one of those rocking gamer chairs. Yeah. That I cut out some plywood and bolted it to it, so now it stays still <laughs> right. at just the right height for me to slide that rig over me and play Gran Turismo. Oh, okay. So I played a lot of Gran Turismo Four in that. Yeah. But it's funny how the big knock on Gran Turismo has has always been um, there's no damage, and so. You can literally just cut corners and ram into people, mm-hmm. knocking them off the track, and then you just bounce right on the track and keep going like nothing happened. Yep, I remember that. So it's it's funny how um, I don't know why they, they they can't catch up with Forza, but I've heard Forza's amazing. I've never actually I played it once, like Forza number one, the very first one. Yeah. And my for whatever reason, the only turnoff I had on that game was without you telling it to it naturally put the little racing line on there with the green mm-hmm. indicator that turned red. And you could turn that off. And I'd never want that on. Like, that. Yeah. I'm not going to learn with that. I'm just. It's like playing a game where you just stay on the line. Yeah. It's not racing. So Forza Motorsport okay. is the more simulator. Forza Horizon oh, is, okay. is an open world game. <sighs> open Like, like go totally, anywhere? Like large open world co-op play with your friends mm-hmm. whatever and it's a little more arcadey so there's still damage on your car and you can the turn physics on are actually different they're they're different so the okay. horizon forza horizon is different than forza motorsport okay they're both the same brand obviously so you've been playing horizon yeah and i played Four. horizon 3 and i really enjoyed it um i bought that one I can't remember the name of it. I bought a more simulator racing, and I could barely even control the car. Oh, see, I love that. Well, I mean, it, I don't love that you can't control the car. Yeah. You have to learn to control the car. So the Forza Horizons I like because you can tune up and down the arcade feel to it. Okay. So when you're playing solo, you can put all the driving aids on it, like ABS braking and the little line in the road yeah. or whatever you want. But you can turn all that off. So you can gotcha. have it more simulator-esque. So, yeah, I, I love games that are extremely arcade racing, mm-hmm. over the top, or extremely simulator. I, right. I, I have a hard time in the middle. Yeah. In fact, I'm actually working with, um, I say working, talking to uh, a buddy of mine, and I'm trying to make this work out. I absolutely want to do it, but I might be doing a 12-hour go-kart endurance race. Oh, wow. Down in LA, they have, the, have this big race, and so we'd each do 40-minute stints or whatever. Wow. We'd each do about three of them, and uh, I, love, I love racing. I've always... Yeah, you know, my now that I'm adult, of course, I always get mad at my parents because why didn't they know I would love racing and start me when I was five? Right, because that's only you know, all the professionals you had to start when you're five. <laughs> but um, but anyway, so cool. I start I just started that, so I don't have much to talk about with it. But okay. so far, it it is a lot of the best stuff of Forza Horizon Three. It's in what's four. What's a, what's like one of your favorite arcade racers? Oh, by far, is Burnout. Like on PS2, uh, Burnout, Takedown. Oh, Takedown, okay. Um, that was is one of my favorite. I still boot that up my PS2 probably once every two or three months. And oh, just really? play it. And I still have my memory save card from maybe five or six years ago. 
and I've just got like maybe 90% of it complete, but I just go back and race to see if I can get better scores on certain tracks. So it's funny you bring that up. I've only played one game all the way through on the Xbox 360 that I was just telling you sits down there and does nothing, mm-hmm. and it's Burnout Paradise. And I and I love that game. Yeah. Love it. And, you know, there was a remastered one for the Xbox One. Well, they just came out with it on the PS4, PS4 as well. Yeah. A remastered version. And I think I'll wait until that's like dirt cheap because I have it on the Xbox 360 and it looks great. I'm not one to buy multiple copies of a game. Yeah. I know that I heard some other podcast where they bought like every time one comes out and of course they're like, they're releasing it on the Switch again. So I got to get it again. I'm like, why? Yeah. As long as I still have the same old console, I'm just going to play it there. Um, But Burnout, I love Burnout. I've only played the one and it was a lot of fun. Paradise. Paradise. Yeah. And I I love Paradise too. Um, the the PS2 one though is really good. Takedown. Takedown. Yeah, I'll have to really try good. that. I need to plug in my PlayStation. I've got a ton of PlayStation games up there, and actually, right now is a great time to pick up PS2 games because there's a lot of good ones and they're dirt cheap. Yeah, I need to start doing that. Yeah, and again, I could probably soft mod it and do my own, but there's something, especially with with the PlayStation 2, because they still had manuals. And uh, they still had, you know, the game yep. with the full cover. and Well, like Kingdom Hearts, the way, my whole philosophy on gaming is if you can mod something and, and burn the game, that's great. But if I love it, buy it. I'm going to go buy it because I want the manual. I want the case. And that's what I do with our, our Kingdom's Heart, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Um, and that's, I do that with a ton of stuff. So You know what else I love unboxing? Hmm. Beer. Yeah. Let's, let's go yeah, ahead. we got to open that. Take a little break here. Here. So we got, uh, well, you, you're going to introduce this since you're the one who brought it. Yep. And I'm going to open my own and not yours because I'm a rude host. <laughs> so this is a, there's nothing fancy about this beer. This is probably my, one of my favorite and my wife's favorite everyday drinking beers. Yep. And uh, from Texas, Texas, Shinerbach. And uh, when my wife and I went down, we were in college, we went down to Texas because our one of our good friend's parents moved there. And uh, this was a brand new thing to us and them at that point. I don't think it was nationwide at that point, at least not nearly to the point it is now. But, um, I mean, it says it's a Bach beer. It's just a good, uh, easy-drinking beer that has some body to it, some flavor to it. Cheers. I don't know. You tell me what, what you taste, because I'm not sure how to describe it other than delicious. Yep. Easy drinking. Yep. I mean, it, it just it's your typical... I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. I wouldn't say it's, it's typical, good... though, because I, I love it. I don't know. I, I think it's really good. Well, not typical. That's probably a bad bad explanation. It It's what I call, like, kind of lightly hopped, smooth, easy, but it has some of the roasted, has some body roasted to it. hop, roasted malt in it. Malt, yeah. Yep. Yep. No, very good. Very one, uh, one-sided. one Just kind of one flavor through and through. Yep. Good stuff. And it tastes delicious cold. And Shiner makes other beers too, right? I mean, they I'm the sure box. they do, but Box, the yeah, right. <laughs> Box the one. It's funny. My wife and I. Um, this is a dumb conversation, but when you're married for as long as we have been at this point now, um, 13 years, uh, we have dumb conversations because there's not a whole lot to talk about. We don't know. And what I just asked her randomly one day, like your favorite beer you've ever had, go. And it was not. We're not talking about the type of beer, but like the actual that one time that beer. Yeah. And we went back to Texas and visited our, our uh, cousins, her cousin, um, and they lived in Fort Worth. And we went to this barbecue place, and the barbecue was delicious, but the best thing about it was they had, 
Shiner Bok in these big old goblets, these really oh, wow. thick-rimmed goblets. Uh, and the whole thing was so icy cold that even the beer had ice crystals in the top of it. Wow. That's and, how oh I my like gosh. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love ice cold beer. Best beer experience ever. Yeah. And we have a friend that lives in our neighborhood. We go and we visit and their beer is never cold and mm. it always bugs me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just, I always, it's always like... got that. Uh, it's been in the fridge for one hour out of the box because we knew you were coming. Yeah. I'll bring Warmth. beer over and it'll sit on the counter for 15 minutes and it's still colder than theirs out of the fridge. <laughs> but this is nice and cold. So yeah, I applaud you for this. There you go. All right. What else do you got? Um, are you out of stuff? I got some pickups I wanted to go over, but. Um, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Because. My All other right. things are kind of pickups too. We'll go for it. So, okay. As we as we all know, our longtime listeners of three shows over two months, <laughs> uh, we're 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 doing six good GBA games, Game Boy Advance games. Um, and I can get more into this a little bit before we before we go. But uh, long story short, I picked myself up a EverDrive from Crix's Crix, but the I don't know if it's the only American supplier, but one of the local suppliers for America of Crooks's product is the Stone Age Gamer. Yep. So, uh, as you know, in the last episode, I showed you my other ones. Here is the packaging it comes in from the Stone Age Gamer. Yeah. I love the packages. It's this really nice clamshell uh, case. It almost actually it looks very much like... Um, uh, this isn't going to mean a lot to a lot of people, but it almost looks like the Neo Geo pocket cases from Europe. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of it's hard clamshell. And what I love about it is you get all kinds of goodies in there. Yeah, so, you do. So you got you have a lot of it's advertisement for the Stone Age Gamer. Um, but I got a... Uh, the stickers. Yeah, I got my memory card. I've got stickers. I've got a fridge magnet that looks like a controller. Yep. Um, I've got a manual on how to use it, which is neat. That looks like a... It's got the, you know, the... A silver bar on the side there with the GBA yep. writing. I, I, I really like the case a lot. Yeah, looks really good. So, yeah, and you so, did get the same one because I thought he had some different models coming out, but I got the X5 as well. You got an X5. Okay. So, I, I there's, there's an X. And see that? I, mine's a Stone Age Gamer on it too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Look at that. But I got mine directly from Crix. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, here's. So, and I got a pick. exactly the same, right? Um, not exactly the same. Nice catch. You almost yeah. lost beer all over the table. Because, um, again, I got to customize mine, so I got to choose which label I wanted. Yeah. So I went with this look. Yeah, that's a good Kind one. of a white. It almost looks like the uh, uh, Master System yeah. label. Um, but anyways, yeah, pretty much almost identical to what you got here. I wonder if if he just sent my order over to Stone Age Gamer and they shipped Probably. Me. Probably. I think that's just his that. American wing, which would make sense because it would make shipping time lock. I and remember I I showed you a picture of I said I, I ordered it and like three days later I'm like I got it and I got mine within probably a week and a half, and yeah. I ordered it from Crix in wherever Poland is. It, is he from Poland? I think. I believe you're correct. Ukraine. I want to say Ukraine actually. Oh, you know what? I think it is Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Which uh, you know I've ordered tons of stuff from him, and I know it's shipped from Ukraine because I'd get I'd have to sign for it. My Turbo EverDrive came from from i ordered it that yeah. way and it yeah but it took like three weeks <laughs> to get from the ukraine so right anyways on. i ordered this i got the packaging I, I you know you pay an extra 20 bucks to get all the packaging 
and the customized label and stuff. I really like it. Yep. Um, there's the opening in the top where you put the micro SD card. And um, there was a X3. There was an X5 and X7. X3 was the first one he did. And there were some drawbacks to that one. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. X5 does pretty much everything you want it to do. Yep. And there's a pretty big price jump to get to the X7. Well, and what the is main X- thing it does is it has an internal clock so that you can do, like, I guess, I want to say Pokemon and Harvest Moon use it. Really? There's a couple other things. And then I think it also does save states. Save, yeah. Save states would be nice. See, I'm, I've, I never use them. Yeah, I, I love save states. Do Because it's the way I play with the, you know, with kids and stuff. I'll get like 10 minute windows to play and I I can't get to the next save point a lot of the time. Yeah. So I end up replaying levels a lot. Well, what I noticed um, is a lot of the Game Boy Advance games are designed knowing that this is a portable system and it needs to save a lot. Yeah. So I definitely noticed that when I was trying to play some games, trying to find them find what I wanted to pick for this week. But Yeah, I haven't really had too many complaints about finding save points on GBA games. Yeah. Cool. Awkward silence. Oh, are we moving <laughs> to the next thing here? I'm, I'm moving on. Okay, but you still have some pickups, right? All right, I'll keep going. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. You can notice that's still in the packaging. The same exact one I got. I think yeah, I you, sent you, you a sent link, me right? the leak. So what is that? <laughs> Yeah, so that is the replacement battery for the GBA. That is correct. Shoot, I'll, I'll put that for you in right now while we're talking. Oh, I, it, <laughs> it's easy, but what I... So, I popped on my GBA Yeah. to play some games and um, turned it on, played for like an hour, and then I turned it off, I think, quote-unquote. Yeah. And then next time I p- opened it up, I played for like 20 minutes and it shut off on me. Yeah. And I'm like, that was like an hour and a half, maybe. These things, I remember this system lasting with the light on for like 20 hours. Like, it was solid. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that all these other systems can't put better batteries, even nowadays. Right. But um, it wasn't holding up the way I thought it was. So I told you about that, and you're saying, oh, I got this right away, yep. a new battery. And it's cheap. Because yours only lasted like 20 minutes. Mine was down to 20 minutes. When I first got this a few years ago, I mean, I could get an hour out of it. Oh, that's it? Hour or two, yeah. Oh, you already had great. a failing battery then. Yep. And they, Is it, now, Has it been getting 20 hours since you put the new battery in? I have, I've charged it once since I got that, and that was, I t- think I talked to you three weeks ago. Okay. I haven't charged it since, and I've been playing yeah. those games we're going to cover, so. Yeah. I haven't been rating how long it is, but I imagine I've been playing 12 hours. And we both have uh, SPs, by the way, yep. which is what we're talking about here. This is a battery pack, 3.7 volt, 600 milliamp hour for your Game Boy SP. It was seven bucks shipped off eBay. Yep. Comes with a little screwdriver. Um, and and yeah. unlike unlike things now, like this Nintendo Switch, the battery's easy to replace one screw. Yep. It's made to replace, whereas nowadays devices aren't i don't understand that so what's crazy is i got this thing um but after i recharged my game boy advance sp mm-hmm. uh it's been running for about 15 hours and i haven't touched it so, so you're just gonna hang on to so that i haven't put that in yet it's just sitting there i don't know what i'm gonna do with it yet um yeah anyway i'd probably <laughs> sit on it it's so cheap you don't want to try to sell it again oh i'm not gonna do I mean, that you no. might as well just sit on it till your battery does because they it will die like mine just was horrible yeah yeah it's surprising to me Always had great luck with them. All right, next goodie. Another thing I picked off of uh, Goodwill. Mm-hmm. 
which I'm addicted to, and you are affecting my pocketbook with your description of this new company. Not company, but website. This device. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? I've never seen this before. No? What is this? What does it look like? I like watching you try to hear and you try to describe things. I mean, it's called Turtles. It's got two joysticks on each side, so it's like a two-player game. Made, Bug bomb. Made in 1982. It was in 82, huh? Yeah, if you look on the back, it has and a... Tex Electronics. So it was X-Tex made it, which I believe is... Actually, if you look on the back there, it was their company out of Compton. Yeah. Um... But made in China, of course. Yeah, it's it's an old school kind of like a it's a huge. I mean, it's American made, obviously American design because that thing is huge. Uh, I mean, the, the direct competition to that thing would be. It looks pretty neat though. So it's just funny because that's the American version. Here's the direct competition to those. Y yeah, I think Nintendo won that war. <laughs> yeah, and the Game and Watches are pretty cool. This thing is literally. I mean, the one you're holding now is a Game and Watch, and that thing is literally a little bigger than a credit card and about a quarter inch, half inch thick. Yep. And Turtles is, um, what, I'm trying to compare that to something. It's like holding a, uh, a Nintendo Wii U controller. Yeah, it's actually just a little bit, it, it's definitely, it's probably three times as thick as a Nintendo Switch and about the same width, really. Yeah. No, it's funny that the, the game and watch I threw at you is called Turtle Bridge. And this one's called Turtles. Tur called Turtles. So uh, th have you tested this? So uh, when I got it, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so, But so far, I just went in there. The uh, Some of the battery terminals have some corrosion. So I yeah. scraped some of that off and threw some batteries in. It started working. Um, but there's a few things that don't work well. And then it started wigging out on me. So I think I need to pull it apart, clean off a few things, probably replace a few capacitors. But for the most part, it... it shows all the signs of working it was also really dirty and i cleaned it up oh good and so, i don't think it looks awesome so i picked it up for um where'd you get that off of? goodwill oh really i got this thing for a song um it's worth five times what i paid for it so of course oh. i have to get it working first yeah so that yeah, should be too hard yeah that's cool that's random and it's cool because i mean you look at the screen you can't see what it looks like but there's uh, I could see it's like there's a... red and green, so it actually has two different colors on here. Which the Game and Watches have a cool background, which this does not, but they only had black LCD, yeah, liquid crystal. Whereas this will actually have red and green, different colors. Yep. It's also really loud. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, neat. I'd love to get. Um, do Do you remember? And this was late '70s. There was one called Digital Derby. Mm -mm. And you had a steering wheel and a little shifter, hmm. and it was about the same size as that, but it was more of a vertical game. Okay. And it was mechanical. The when you turned the wheel, there was a little car that went back and forth, but it was mechanical. It wasn't okay. LCD. But the cars coming down were on a tape. It almost reminds me of uh, I don't know if you can see it from your angle there. I, I have see a it. Tommy race, Tommy racing car. Yep. Which is a lot bigger, but essentially that's the same. It's kind of like that, yep. And it's it, it it's a little it's a little smaller and black. But I had one as a kid and I loved it. And uh, we were moving, we put it in storage, and so I didn't go back for a year to get it out of storage as a kid. Uh oh. I left batteries in it. Ah. And it ruined it. Like I mean, it was bad. It was. I had to throw <sighs> it out, but it was my favorite game as a kid. And nowadays you're probably like, I probably could have saved it. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't think I could have saved this one. So the last thing I picked up, I found a good deal on it. And I mentioned this to you. I kind of have this um, uh, 
dream, mm-hmm. which is funny because I always have these dreams about all these things I want to do with all these people that I uh, magically somehow I think I'm going to get a bunch of free time and everyone I know who would, would like this would also get a bunch of free time yeah. and we'd all be able to do these things together. Um, so anyways, this is, it, I'll get to that in a second. Here's what it is. Here's my Nintendo 4 score. Oh, yeah. I've never seen one of these. Yeah. Uh, so there was a, an, an NES satellite. Which was, uh, I guess, a version that plugged straight into your ports on your original Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And then you could plug four controllers into it, but it looked kind of bulky and awkward. Yeah. This one has a, a pretty long cord, so you can get far away from your Nintendo. And then you can plug four into that. It almost looks like a, uh, one of the wedge-shaped audio video switches like I have yeah. over there. No, this one's actually pretty slick. It's really clean. Looks like it's never been used. I doubt very many of these have ever been used because... There's not a whole lot of games that play four-player Nintendo. So I was going to ask you, because I, I had the multi-tap for the Super Nintendo, and there were quite a few games that supported it. One was Bomberman, which I loved. And we that was our number one party game in the in the 90s, was like Bomberman, Super Bomberman. So I wonder what games on Nintendo support so, it. So I know um, the ones I really wanted to do are um, Indie Heat. Okay. Um, which I've heard great things about four-player I, my, one of my favorite games on any on all the systems, they're all very similar, is the um, what do you call it? Ivan's Off-Road. Yeah. Ivan, oh, Iron I Man, love... Ivan, whatever. Yeah. The one... Off-Road. Yeah, Off-Road where you're going yep. around the little dirt track. Yeah, so I Indi- love that game. Indie Heat is pretty much that game, but with indie cars going around a road track. Okay. So I want that version. And the cool thing about that one, apparently, is you can pit, and then while you're pitting, you can also run over other people's pe- drivers who are oh, wow. helping them pit, and you can put them... Anyways, I'll, it'll be hilarious. Um I got a whole list of games, and a lot of them are sports games, but there's probably four or five games that I would love to try, four-player or three-player Okay. on there. I got to um, look up what games support that, because I'd buy. Lo- I think, I'd I think love Bomberman is on there, too. Yeah, because there is a version of Bomberman on the NES. One and two. Bomberman 1 yeah. and 2 are, are on, on the Nintendo. In fact, I used to own one when I was younger. I don't know where it is, but I remember going to Funko Land. And I kick myself now, right? So Funko Land used to sell all these games. Yeah. When like pretty much when the Nintendo 64 came out and I was I was I remember seeing Bomberman for like four bucks, but Bomberman 2 was like 12. I'm like, well, I'm just going to get the first one because that's much better bang for my buck. Well, now Bomberman 2 is worth a lot of money (laughs) and I'd love to get a copy. Anyways, got my EverDrive. We'll be able to play it. Yeah. Uh, So anyways, back to my main point. I have all these fantasies about playing all these multiplayer multiplayer games and throwing like a party with a bunch of you guys coming over and we can all play multiplayer games. Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to actually do it. <laughs> um, another fun idea, and other people might, might can think about this too, is, um, well, it's behind you. It doesn't really matter. It's back there. Uh, my church had a school attached to it. The school unfortunately went under. And so they left a bunch of equipment back, and they had like 10 of these projectors, just old mm-hmm. projectors with RCA composite inputs. So I took one. Yeah. And so I have a, I have a projector I can plug my NES into. We can put go in the garage, set up a couch or something, and just blow up the NES on the entire wall. That's pretty cool. Projectors yeah. are pricey. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, those with yeah. audio video inputs are probably not pricey. I mean, right. the bulb is really expensive if you ever have to replace one. Yeah. But at that point, just buy another use projector. Yep. I did use it once so far. My daughter had a birthday, and we thought it'd be cool to do a uh, to hang a sheet outside, and they watched um, a Disney movie, Under the Stars. And it looked good? Uh, yeah, it looked good. That's pretty cool. So anyways, I want to play some four-player NES games. So that is that. That is awesome. I also... This is actually really old news, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? 
Yes. I picked up the Art of Atari poster collection because it was on Amazon for like 12 bucks. So I want to start hanging these up. They're really, some are really uh, retro. I remember all the Atari games looking like this. All of them. I'm looking at tennis right now. Yep. Very like, uh, I think they have I don't even know how to explain it. But Centipede's pretty cool. Yeah. There's Yard's Revenge, which you still have to teach me how to play because I don't oh, play yeah, it right, I, I apparently. Do. I love that game. Um, 3D Tic-Tac-Toe. Astro- Asteroids is that's classic looking. Yep. Anyways, I thought these were cool, and they, they were, I think this had got down to like 12 bucks shipped. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, I'll pick that up. There's Centipede. Centipede's a cool one. But these things are huge. Um yeah, even on the back here it says this should cost twenty five bucks, but you can pull these posters out and they're uh I don't know how big that is. Eighteen inches by twelve inches. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty neat. I've seen that, but I haven't I've never seen one in real life. I saw it online somewhere. Yeah. That's really cool. They had a book that's actually more expensive and smaller. I, so I was like, I'll just get the posters. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to look at the book that's at Barnes & Noble, like I, I, I look at it all the time. I not never borders? pick it up. I'm sorry? Not Borders? It's not Borders. Barnes & Noble. <laughs> um, did I have one other one? Is that my last pickup? Oh, no, it's not. Because even though I don't physically have it here yet, yeah. you know about this. I was on Shop Goodwill and uh, got a crazy hair um, and saw you always brought your Tandy to our recording sessions here. Yep. So I looked up a, um, I decided to look up um, a Trash 80, a TRS 80, mm-hmm. and I found a TRS 80 Color 2. I guess they went up to 3, right? They did. There's a big difference between the 2 and the 3. Oh, is there? Mm-hmm. Well, I picked up a 2 in the box with a bunch of accessories and controllers, and so that is on its way over here. As fast as a motorcycle speeding by my house. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Um. That's cool. So I know nothing about this system. And you already you already wrote me a text saying, cool, so how are you going to put games on it? Yeah. And I went, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> yeah. The cool thing is there's a there's a way to load stuff with uh, your smartphone using it. Because like, you could load stuff off of cassette tapes. And I have the cable that will plug into your phone. And you could load stuff off of your phone at, pretending like it's a cassette player. But I have I would this- do that once. Yeah, because it takes, that was neat. <laughs> it takes a while, um, but there's a cartridge you can get um, that you put an SD card in. It's like an EverDrive for the Coco Two. Yep, and you the just Coco Two. Yep, and you can just load whatever you want. Um, it's a fun system. It's cool that you got joysticks with it because they're not the easiest ones to find. Oh, really? Yeah, they look terrible. They are. I mean, they're not. Yeah, they're <laughs> not. Uh, you know, they are what they are. They're of their age. Yeah, but there's some good ones of the age. Yeah, oh, do, does yours look like the craft ones? Like they're like, it's a, like a base. square with this tiny little stick in the middle. Yep, and a red button on the side or on I the top. I think so. Yeah, that's what I have too. They're not. They're not. They work fine. I'm just hoping that they ship. I'm afraid they're going to ship everything inside the box, the the retail box. Like, put the label on the retail box and ship it. I really hope they put all that inside of a box and ship it. They're going to have to because the joysticks didn't come with that. Oh, okay. So there's probably nothing to. There's no, I'm no just punch outs in the styrofoam for those. Yeah, I'm just terrified that that I'm gonna have what happened to you, and I'm gonna get a GameCube <laughs> loose in a large box. Yeah, dude, that would make me so mad. Uh, and it's crazy that that survived too, because I literally sold some. Um, you know what are they called? 
they're not precious moments. So the, the little angels, like wood carved angels that everyone was or is into. Yeah. I had seven of those laying around here. So I wrapped them. I took all those. They were in a Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. So they were loose in the bag. But then I put all kinds of bubble wrap on the bottom of the box. Then wrapped this bag with all them in there in some heavy bubble wrap. Closed the box but to the point where I had to push down to keep it down because the bubble wrap was pushing up. Yep. And taped it all up and sent it. And all the arms and heads broke off. The woman who bought it was upset and uh, <laughs> and returned them. And the shipping alone, I lost all all the profit I would have made off that is completely gone. Yeah. And and I wrapped them well. I just should have wrapped them individually, and now I know. So I can't believe a GameCube loose in a box survived. That's It survived, crazy. but like I said, you shake it, and there's stuff loose in there. So I don't know. That's crazy. I, Nintendo quality at its finest. When I opened it, I really was just like, this is a loss. This is There's no way this is going to work. But it did. I was really surprised. Yeah. But anyway. What else you got? So I actually got a few things here. So on the Switch lately, um, so I downloaded Towerfall. Have you played that before? We, we've talked about it because that was like the Ouya system it was, seller. There was a, I, the first place I played it was on Ouya, but it's out for a bunch of different things. Um, the Switch came out with it, and it could, includes all the added stuff, the DLC for Towerfall. Like okay. there's different... It, if you, you're talking about like mult, fun multiplayer games, yeah. that one's a blast. You just run around a screen with these kind of retro-looking characters, and you shoot arrows. I've seen video of it. But you have to collect your arrows. So like you shoot, you maybe have two or three, you shoot, and then it sticks to the wall. You have to run over there and get your arrow back. So And everybody's in the same arena kind of fighting each other. And there's power-ups, and there's, there's shields and stuff you can grab. It's a great game. I don't want to go on too much about it but i did they finally released on switch how much oh, 59.99 nope. oh. no 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 i think it was <laughs> i want to say it was like 9.99 or 12.99 something like right around there yeah i don't remember exactly and indie games are coming full force on the switch and that does excite me that is more and more i am getting this itch to get a switch yeah, just having Towerfall like on a portable machine so that I, now when I go on road trips with the kids. It's funny because I always forget that it's portable. Like it never clicks in my head that it's a portable machine. Yeah. And once in a while I'll see uh, somebody with, playing with a portable. I finally did play, because um, I've always wanted to try this, uh, we went camping, or not camping, to a cabin that's really rustic, kind of like camping inside of a cabin. Um, and uh, I guess you, I don't know if you call him a brother-in-law or what, but... Um, he brought his switch and I'm like, Oh, we got to play something where we each hold half of the joy con. Cause I've always wanted to play it that way. Like yeah. that's the coolest way to me. Yep. And we played Mario Kart, and, um, to be, I mean, to be honest, it, when I got my controller in my hand and he got his, I thought the shape of the controller and where the buttons are, cause they're kind of weird would be awkward. Immediately forgot about that. That was not the issue. I did feel like the screen still felt small. Yeah. Unfortunately, in that particular mode. Now, as a handheld for one person, it probably feels really big. Yeah. I, I put it on this little kickstand and we played two player games on it before and it, you got to kind of huddle up around it. So mm-hmm. I get it. It's it's for two player mode. It's not it's it, it is kind of small for to to huddle around it for one player. It's it's there's a lot of real estate there. Yeah. It's nice. I was kind of really hoping the two player thing would work well. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it I've does. Fun. It does work. I, yeah, well. I've had fun wrong. with it. Speaking of, that's my next purchase was uh, the Capcom Beat 'Em Up Bundle. I have heard about that. And uh, so, 
I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing. Sometimes when you don't feel very like uh, you're tired, you don't want to think about games, but you want to play one. Yeah. It's like, I love those mindless arcade games and beat em ups to me are the best and shmups shmups and beat em ups are the two like games I go to when I don't really want to think about games. Yeah. I don't want to play an RPG. I don't want to do that. And this has all sorts of beat em ups. Ones I've never even played before. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking at the uh, the list of games on here. Yep. And I've played two of these. Yeah. Final Fight and did you play Captain Commando? No. Knights of the Round. Knights of the Round is a good one. Yeah, no, I've heard. I've heard. Battle Circuit is a, so like so. My daughter and I this weekend were just kind of bored, so we played. Um, we played Battle Circuit. I think that's the one we played. Yeah, and we loved it. It was fun. It's crazy because I've heard. I've literally. I mean. It's hard to get surprised in this hobby anymore because they've been out for decades now. Mm -hmm. And I heard another podcast again. I Retro Warriors. I'll throw it out there. I keep that's my go-to podcast. Yeah. And they were talking about this bundle, and his comment was, "He's like, this is saying a lot, but Final Fight's the worst game on out of the bunch." Right. Which surprised me because when I see that, I think Final Fight, Knights of the Round, and a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Because I've never heard of them or played them. I've heard of Captain Commando, but. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a beat 'em up. And Captain Commando is a great one. I mean, you can jump inside of robots, so you're you're playing as a player and you jump inside of robots and you 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 did, know. Were these games that didn't come to the U.S.? Like, how do we some not know of them, about them? A couple of these for sure didn't come to the U.S. because you could just tell. I mean, they they just see. This makes me want to switch now too because that's a Switch exclusive, isn't it? I think so, right now it is. Yeah. Um, it it's been awesome. So my daughter I and I, that. my daughter and I have gotten some great value. How much it. was this? Um, I, I can never remember this stuff. I think it was like twenty bucks. I want to say. Really? So I think. Well, let me look. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna. I don't want to break next episode where like are you gonna mistakes. break. Are you gonna break the third wall yeah. right now? <laughs> mistakes. Well, Eric blew this one. The third wall that somehow exists, even though we're supposed to be talking about the fourth wall. But yeah, final fight is. Um, well, you're gonna never guess. I usually play as Cody. <laughs> That's right. Um, but that's just a classic. I, I do love that game. I still haven't played, um, really gotten into Streets of Rage, which is apparently the better beat em up. But so Streets of Rage is my favorite of all time. Mm -hmm. And my it's it's 1999. It, it says digital only. It is. Um, it is digital only. I, okay. I've never seen it in the store. I mean, as far as I know, it's See, I would totally only. want a physical copy of that. But I have a hard time paying $20 for anything digital. Anything digital above ten dollars, I, I my mind just goes nope. I don't. Mm. I couldn't. I'm not going to sit here and try to vocalize why. But I don't think I don't I've seen that one. I don't think I've seen that one physical. But I might be wrong. But if it came out physical, it'd be sixty <clears throat> bucks. So yeah. So maybe. maybe but my good son thing and I, Streets of Rage two. My son and I, we used to play that all the time, and it's my favorite. Well, I think they're releasing a Sega Classics thing on the Switch too coming up i wonder if that'll be on there and i'm sure it would be i mean you saw that streets of rage three are are not three yeah is it four i thought three, one two and three were on the genesis it is four yeah we it's talked four. about that last time yeah yeah which would be cool but it would be cool but i want to get through one and two first so <laughs> when we do our multiplayer day we have to play through that i've beat two with my son probably three times yeah yeah we need to do that on the projector yeah, it's a it's a blast um, now now i've spent you know the virtual quarters like because you could keep pumping into that game 
Oh, it's a quarter feed. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get credits in that game, and we've we would spend a bunch on it, but we would get through the whole game. There, there is a limit, though, if I remember right. Streets of Rage. Oh, 2. they do put a limit. They put a limit. You can okay. only do it. You know, I don't know, three, five times, something like how, that. How is the uh, the beat 'em up bundle set up? Is it? Did they have any sort of challenge to them, or is it just you can keep feeding quarters into them? You can. They they limit the number of credits you can put into it. Okay. Yeah. Good. But you know it's not over with I, three lives. You you can put another credit in, get three more, maybe do that a few times, and then it's over. And it's yeah, over. like well, yeah. kind of like Contra or whatever. You used yeah. to get eight continues, but yep. three lives per continue or whatever. Right. That's good because honestly, that I, I've talked about that before. I I don't self-regulate. I want the game to lay out the challenge, and it's up for me to beat it. Right. I don't want to make my own fake challenge of okay, I can only do three. Yep. So that's good. Yeah. So we. You know, we enjoyed that. And then my last two things are I did order the Ultimate 64, so and that's shipped now. So that's going to be pretty... Now, now describe how is that different than the current solution you have. So I have real Commodore 64s. Oh, the Ultimate... So the Ultimate 64, you're thinking about the Ultimate 1541. Yeah, I am. The Ultimate 64 is a replacement motherboard for the Commodore 64. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, okay. it's FPGA-based. But what that means is you can switch between NTSC and PAL. Oh, that's cool. Um, it has a built-in Ultimate 1541. So you have the built-in REU. How much is this device? Um, two, about 200 bucks, I think it was. Hmm. About $200. I've got a Commodore sitting behind you there. Yeah, and that, you could use that because it that goes... That mostly works. It, you would just take that motherboard out, pop this in. It has joystick ports. It has, hmm. it has a cartridge port. So you can actually play cartridges. Um a lot of really cool stuff and 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 your all your problems that are sounds solved. so cool yeah yeah because i've got that commodore 64 behind you that i pretty much have working i replaced a, a few capacitors the whole thing works yeah but i can't figure out why the output has waves in it and there's a few colors that are just showing up weird hmm. so I, I i i'm sure if i spent a lot of time i could figure it out but it might be... I'd rather just shove that in there and have that be my main Commodore and and be 200 bucks poorer. And it would be it would be modern, and it would be... It would last... I mean... Is it HDMI out, too? HDMI out, yep. Does it have non-HDMI out as well? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think it's HDMI out, and um, it has a built-in Ultimate 1541, so you get all the memory upgrades, you know, RU, all that uh, stuff. Okay, yep. I'm buying that. That's yep. happening. So I don't remember the conversion rate. I know when I bought it, it was like, I think, 210, 220, something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, it's going to... So it was, pounds. Some, it was right around there, yeah. So Pounds or euros? I it would, that For me, it was just translated after PayPal in dollars. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then the last thing for me is the Uther, Ethernet 2 from my Apple II, because I play games on my Apple II quite a bit. This is an Ethernet card, but... There are programs you can run on a Mac or PC that you can mount disk images over the Ethernet to your Apple. Hmm. So it's much easier to mount disks and play games over it. And that's really what I want because I have this device. It's kind of like you put an SD card in and you can mount disk images, but it's really clunky. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't, you know, yeah. it's just I don't use my Apple much because I just hate using that little device. I'm hoping this is going to make things a lot better. Not to mention cool stuff like FTP. IRC, 
a bunch of like basically ethernet stuff you can do on the apple so and i ordered that it's, it's supposed to ship next week cool that's all i got well then it's time for the news Reporting the news! All right, so this just in. I've got another beer here for us to open. Right on. <laughs> Our new statement starts, as with everything, with so beer. I've I've had beers from this brewery, which I'll let you, since you provided this one. Alaskan. It is their amber, which is by far the most famous beer. Yeah, and I haven't had amber. I've had I had oh, really? one that had a yellow label, but it was from Alaska. Really? I don't remember what that one was, but so you I don't had think I've had this one. Okay, this is this will be interesting to you. Um, well, I like amber air. So. so this is really yeah, I love amber. It's one of my, it's probably my favorite type of beer. Uh, again, easy drinking, just delicious. Um, we went to Alaska uh, this summer. Okay. On a cruise. Yeah. And we realized we were in Juneau and we found, did a couple of things, which is funny because, by the way, in Alaska, they're like, you might see a bald eagle. No, you're not going to maybe see a bald eagle. You're going to see tons of them. Yeah. And you're going to see that they're not majestic, amazing animals. <laughs> right. You're going to see them when you drive by the dump and there's 40 of them on piles of trash. Yeah. They're like vultures, right? Kind of. There's, yeah. And I we heard their beautiful, you know, that beautiful, like America is beautiful, the eagle flying <laughs> with the right. flag, you know, in the background. But they're just, yeah, they're on top of, like, random trucks and piles of trash, and they're basically like a, a big pigeon. Yeah. I was a little disenfranchised, but anyways, so um, we went to, we're like, hey, we're right, we got an hour and a half before we get back on the boat, Alaskan breweries up the road, so we went there, and uh, we did the tasting there, and it's this tiny little brewery, and we learned all about it, and the Alaskan Amber actually started the brewery this particular beer because um they wanted to brew start brewing beer in Juneau in, in alaska again because there's no breweries in alaska right um and there was this beer that back when they were doing um i guess mining up there all everyone drank this beer that this one dude made and the recipe was lost because prohibition i think and all these other things anyways um and they had to they have to do all kinds of crazy things you never think about this Juneau is like the second largest third largest city in alaska yeah it's landlocked mm -hmm. there's no roads in or out which is crazy like how can you be that big and by the way that big means like i think it was like twenty thousand people yeah <laughs> so I, my mind is blown anyways <clears throat> they have to ship in all their hops and barley and all that stuff like they have to sh it comes in by boat yeah and so the, for them to be able to make and they make their energy they make their own energy anyways interesting story but this is the closest version to the original recipe. They tried to make it based on what the the people who lived back then yeah described the beer as. And so interesting. It is good. It is easy drinking, but it's also unique. I don't know if I've ever had another beer that tastes like it. Hmm. Well, so, let's try. It. Cheers. Give it a shot. Cheers, number three. We're gonna. All our listeners are gonna think we're just lushes. And they would be right. <laughs> that is good. It's good. It's good. It doesn't. I mean, it's an amber, but it's got something else that I don't. I've never tasted another beer. Yeah, it's smooth, um, but it has that kind of rich, kind of rich flavor that ambers usually have. It's got a little. I I don't want to say iron because that sounds like a negative thing, but it's got a little <laughs> more more. Um, yeah, after, especially after the last beer, it's very smooth. It's got a little. That's a good almost one. Almost metallic taste to it, but in a good way. <laughs> I don't know. 
My, uh, oh, yeah, retro video game news. Yeah, exactly. Another side note, though, uh, my older sister was born in Alaska. She was born oh. in Ketchikan, Alaska. That's even smaller. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. The popular, because we went there, too. Yeah. That's a really random place to be born. Was she on a cruise? My dad was stationed there. <laughs> really? Yeah. My dad was in the Coast Guard, and he was stationed there. This i never been there. She She's my older sister, so she was, that was four years before I was born, so. Yeah. Interesting. Well. Yeah. I have all things, all kinds of things I could say, but I'm not going to because we want to get back to video games. Right. All right. News, Eric. What you got? First one is Yump. Have you ever played Yump? <laughs> Sorry. Excuse, bless you. So, so Yump <laughs> is, uh, it's now it's now out on the Commodore 64. You can get the cartridge. It's kind of like you've played Micro Hexagon, though, right? Or you've seen yes. it played. It's, it's. I do know you, this is the one where. It's kind you're going of like over it. like a grid mm-hmm. and you're you're bouncing yep. constantly and you just want to make sure when you bounce you bounce onto the right grid onto the right yeah and okay. some of them are powered up where you bounce really high and you and there's all like really cool music playing okay yeah i saw a video so it's out for the c64 and that's the news but the funny thing is the first time i played this was um on my atari 800 xl it was like one oh, yeah. of the like i I just was browsing through the games, and it's 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 so a game that's it's on the Atari. Port. Huh? So you're saying it's another port? It is another port. Yep. <laughs> but it was never for the 64, so now it is. Okay. And well, uh, because they don't have an 800 XL, this is actually exciting. Yeah, it's good news. <laughs> See, so the, the, there is some benefit to it. I'll but dig into that one. Yep's a good one. I played it on the Atari for you know I probably played a couple hours, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to get the cartridge on the 64, but um, if I can digitally download it on a cartridge, uh, one thing is it's PAL only for the C64, which I find weird since it runs fine. Gosh darn it, man! That drives me crazy. Yep, which is fun, which is weird because it plays fine on the Atari 800 NTSC that I have. I'm still having. I mean, I still haven't even tried because I have no way to do it. But I want to play Sam's Journey. Yeah. And apparently, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to spend $200 on the Ultimate C64 right? and shove it into that case. And I've already seen some pictures of somebody playing it on their Ultimate 64, so it runs just fine there. That's good. Yeah. Well, I've got a whole bunch of what I call news. Again, our news segment isn't necessarily news. It's kind of our opinions on hearing news. Yep. And if it's news to me, it might be news to you. I don't know. Um, some, uh, some stuff came out on the PS4 and some other things, I'm sure. Um, Spyro Reignited. Mm-hmm. came out with all, I think, like three Spyro games from the original PlayStation. And I've never played Spyro games. You know, it's funny, I haven't either. Really? I did play, the most I played, I played um, one Spyro game, which apparently was like the least Spyro-like game mm-hmm. uh, on the, actually, in Game Boy Advance, back when I was in college. And it was, um, it actually felt pretty childlike. I wasn't a huge fan. I did play a lot of it, because even back then, I only had a few games. But um, I do have, I own a copy of Spyro, the original Spyro, on my PS1. So I'm going to give it a shot. But um, looks like they did a complete overhaul, built this thing from the ground up. And so, kind of like they did with Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Where if you play it, it feels, it, it's one of those things where it's kind of funny. You feel like you're playing the game you remember playing, but now. But if you ever were to go back and play the original game, you'd be like, oh, this is not aged well. Right. So you're playing it now remembering it the way you thought it would look so it doesn't look amazing because you already expect it to look like this but in reality it's your mind remembering it the way it felt back then yeah 
So anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Um, uh, this one I'm actually... Did you... First of all, did you play the Crash games? Did, did those... The Crash Bandicoot? Yeah. Yeah, I played on PS1, right? Yeah. Yeah. I played that one on PS1. Um, not back in the day, but actually maybe a couple of years ago on my on my PS1. Um, and I actually really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Are all three of them kind of where you're running towards towards the screen? I don't know. I only are? played the first one, and it was oh, okay. not... You were running away from the screen, right? Oh, but there's parts where you were running towards the screen. Probably, yeah. I don't remember. It's, been it's funny. My only experience with Crash Bandicoot, aside from watching the commercials where a guy wearing the, the suit would yell at Nintendo... Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember those. Um, yeah. Was actually playing Uncharted 4. Have you played Uncharted 4? I've no, I've you played, I've played, I you don't have a PlayStation 4, do you? I don't. I have PS3 okay. and I've played Uncharted and Uncharted 2. So it's fun. And this isn't a spoiler, I guess. Well, it's an old game at this point. In Uncharted 4, you're playing, you're talking to your wife and she's playing Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation. Oh, you really? Join, and you join her and you actually are playing Crash Bandicoot. Oh, that's pretty you cool. You actually played, so that's the most I've actually played of it. Yeah. Um, but it's in all of its pixely goodness. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, But this one is one I'm very excited about. Are you familiar with the Valkyrie Chronicles? I am, and I love it. And I, it, it's, Now, which one did you play, or which ones? I played the one on the Xbox 360. Um, it was... I didn't know they had it on that. Okay. It, yeah. Because um, it was a PS3 exclusive no, at one point. Uh, I'll look it up real quick while we're talking, but... Um, yeah, I mean, if you like XCOM-style games or Fire Emblem... It's it's interesting because I, I did play XCOM eventually, but this was kind of its own thing. I understand that the the, the gameplay essentially is the same. But yeah, it's a turn-based game, where you're, but it's over-the-shoulder first person. Mm -hmm. And you only have so many movement points. And as you run, um, as you're running, people are shooting at you and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you can stop running and hide or whatever you got to do and end your turn. But as you stop running, they stop shooting at you. It's like time only moves when you're running. Right. Um, and then you go to your next character and move them. And you can move and shoot or you only have so many points of uh, to, to use abilities and things. And I don't remember what it was that made the first game so magical. But I loved that game and played it every minute I could when I was playing it. And then they came out with um, a sequel... Well, I guess the true sequel only came out in Japan. And then they released one on the PlayStation Portable. And I tried to play that. Was it the Portable? It wasn't the Vita. It was the Portable. Anyways, I tried to play that one, mm -hmm. and it I can't tell you why. It didn't have the same magic for me. Okay. And I didn't play through it. And I was like, I sat at myself. I'm like, why don't I love this much? Blame myself. But apparently that was the general consensus. Okay. The first game was amazing. The second one was meh. And I don't know why. But what, from what I'm hearing about Valkyria Chronicles 4, which is coming out, or which came out at this point. Yeah, it's out. Which is the news portion of this. Because I actually discussion. saw it on the Switch. and Because it's out on the Switch now, too, because I saw it in GameStop the other day. For $60? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. I must. I played it on PS3. Because it it's only that was, was on PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, when they did come out with a PS4 remastering of the first one. Yeah, I recently I, I I played it on PS3. Now that I'm kind of recollecting, but I played it and I I really loved it. 
I thought it was a great game. Yeah, it was so cool. Good you play story. All, you go all the way through it? I probably got halfway through it. Moved uh, I on couldn't stop. Else. I had to play the whole thing. Really? But yeah, they did a remaster of the PlayStation 3 game. But there's not, for me, there's not enough of a gap for me to want to buy it again and right. play it remastered. Nope. But I am very excited about this, and I am absolutely going to pick it up once it hits 20 bucks because I'm cheap. And the funny thing is, it's since it's so anime-esque, why, why, would, why would a remastering matter? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you would you expect a remastered of something where it's visually kind of realistic, and you're like, then you make it even more realistic, like Skyrim, make it even more yeah. realistic, so it looks more. But anime is going to look like anime, right? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> so one of the games I'm looking forward to playing, I'll tell you about, but hits that same note. It's a remaster of a an anime looking game, which is funny because I don't do anime. Like I'm not a fan of. I love the Studio Ghibli stuff, like mm-hmm. um, uh, what is it, Howl's Moving Castle and Ponyo and. Um, Totoro and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but no. they're basically a, a Studio Ghibli is a Japanese studio it's kind of like the Disney of Japan we talked about this last yeah. episode yeah did we okay yeah, then, yeah. yeah it's basically Disney has taken those movies and brought them over here and mm-hmm. sub er, and translated them to English and anyways I'll watch that but the anime anime true anime uh, I I can't get into necessarily so I have a hard time when I see them in games yeah but somehow I looked past it for this game and I loved it so stoked about that one um, this one's a little tongue in cheek, but did you hear there's a new cam- game coming out for the Nintendo Switch? <laughs> it's a brand new game called Diablo Three. No, <laughs> and it's sixty dollars. Yeah, it's depressing because I mean I actually <laughs> I played Diablo way back, and I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it quite yeah. a bit. I played one and two and loved them. Yeah, I actually tried three when it came on the came out for the PlayStation Four in. 2014 yeah um because i bought it for 30 dollars and um for this one for whatever reason didn't click with me the one and two definitely did but this one i don't know i can't again i can't explain it it's the same style of game just um you, you click on stuff you you collect a bunch of money and swords and sell them and combat's almost secondary to that um but my main point is Nintendo's doing it again where they get to release an old game that's four years old yeah. and charge $60. Yeah, they're doing that a lot. That's one one crazy thing about Nintendo is they're just... Do you know what came out in 2011? Hmm. Skyrim. Yeah. Do you know how much Nintendo is charging for Skyrim? Yeah. Well, we, yeah. Say it. Say it, Eric. Yeah, so we're not... $60. I'm not buying, I'm not buying uh, that on the Switch. Just in the pop filter. Yeah, it's actually fallen off, so I don't know how effective this is going to be. <laughs> anyway, we'll cut, we'll cut this out of the show. What's the time signature? No, that's okay. One thirty-eight twenty-five. All it, right. It adds it adds to the texture. <laughs> the texture of the podcast. There we go. Um, texture. We're all about texture here. Um. Yeah. I, I. I. We. We didn't buy it. I've only. I've only purchased Skyrim on the 360, and my son bought it on his PC. But he bought it with his own money, so he wanted it on his laptop and play it with the mods and stuff on his laptop. I've never actually played it. Never played Skyrim. Nope. Oh, I love it. It's great. Yeah. But I. I did. I can't remember if I actually beat it or got really close on the 360. But I got to the point where I. I. I was like, I've. I'm done with this game. I, I like it, but I'm done now. I'm moving to something else because it is one of those games that you can beat the main quest, you know, 20, 30 hours, but mm-hmm. 
there's so many side quests and yeah. stuff that you could play that game forever. I did that with Fallout 3. Yeah. I just played straight through the main quest, and that was it. Yep. I was happy. AM2R, the another Metroid 2 remake, which I've already mentioned on this show, mm-hmm. uh, had an update. Oh, cool. Which is funny, because Nintendo took them down within two days of them releasing that when they first came out <clears> with it a couple of years ago. And if you guys remember me, my quote from the last episode, that this is my favorite Metroid game, even though it's not actually a Nintendo Metroid game. Right. I love this game. So apparently they added a new hard mode. Um, they kind of repositioned some enemies. They added some new enemies, fixed some glitches, um, just made it made it that much better, which is cool that not only did this one-man project make, in my opinion, the best Metroid game out there, Yeah. but he's still maintaining it, even though he only had it up for two days originally. <clears throat> No, um, I don't. I don't. I've never played that. What What is it on? PC. It's PC. It's a PC. Okay. Yep. But I imagine again, with I, nothing fancy on PC, right? What do you mean? You by don't. That? You don't need like some kind of sophisticated system. I, super graphics. You know, card. I, I doubt it. Okay. It played on my computer, and my computer couldn't play a whole lot at the time. I finally got a video card, and yeah. now it's capable of playing games on Steam, which it wasn't before, which is sad. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would assume we're fine. Right what on. else you got? Um, I actually threw this one in the news before because of you. Because really? someday, someday, you're oh, going to receive yes. your ZX Spectrum, right? You're, you're next. <gasps> I missed this one. Okay. So this is called Gandalf Deluxe, and it is a really cool um, platformer. And it looks really, really good. For the ZX Spectrum. Yep, for the ZX Spectrum. So if you ever do. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard it. I you said, said it right. Spectre. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what am I doing? What am I becoming? So, um, I, you know, I, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, I, I don't know anything about it because it's new, but it looks, from the screenshots, it looked really good. So go check that out. I will. And I've been thinking about myself getting it and playing it on my Plus 2, seeing how it is. You know, so I see this link you have is from our favorite website, Indie Retro News. Yep. And I do skip over a whole lot of stuff because most of it, when I see the pictures, it looks like a upcoming Steam release. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff. And there's a lot, lot of good stuff. Steam stuff out there. There's just so much of it that I don't really care. Right. So I try to focus on just stuff that fits what I like or goes actually is going to be playable on actual hardware. Yep. Sorry, but I just glossed right over this, not realizing this is for the ZX Spectrum. But this one's really colorful. The ZX from, Spectrum. <laughs> from, the ex, from the verbiage that was on the site, it controls really well. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's called Gandalf Deluxe. That'll be cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, let me hop over to, this is more of a question for you because mm-hmm. I think you did this. <clears throat> Nintendo <clears throat> Online? I did. I bought it. You bought it. You paid for it. So I'll ask your opinion in a second, Hin, but um, the big news for, for from, what, from my perspective is that NES games, mm-hmm. I don't know why I put the pause there, NES games are available to basically play as long as you're a subscriber. Yep. And currently they have soccer, tennis, Donkey Kong, Mario Bros, Super Mario Bros, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Dr. Mario, Legend of Zelda, Mario Brothers 3. Double Dragon, uh, River City Ransom, Ghosts and Goblins, Tecmo Bowl, Gradius, Pro Wrestling, Excite Bike, Yoshi, just Yoshi, Ice Hockey, which I actually love. It was in my uh, first $100. Yep. 
uh, and baseball. Um, and eventually they're going to be coming out. It sounds like they're releasing three new games a month, which is... Well, if they were really good games, that would be awesome. Right. Um, I guess in November they're coming out with Solomon's Keys, which is... I've heard actually fairly decent if you like puzzlers. Yeah. Super Dodgeball, which is supposed to be fun. It's a Kunio-kun game, kind of like River City Ransom, right? Yep. And then NES Open, which is a aging yeah. golf game. Oh. It's the one with Mario on it. Oh. But who's actually going to play that? I didn't um, I didn't hear that. The month after that, Metroid, Mighty Bomb <clears throat> Jack. I actually do like Mighty Bomb Jack. But, Me too. But that's... Um, and again, I like Metroid, too. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Metroid's a solid one there. This one's interesting. Twin B. Twinbee's awesome. Which is a Japanese-only game. Yeah, and it's a great sh- shmup, um, early shmup from the NES, but I have it on my EverDrive, and the, that's a great game. And then the following month, Wario Woods, which is an interesting choice. Um, isn't that the last game that was released on the Nintendo? I think I don't that was know. the very last release. Okay. Wario Woods, uh, Ninja Gaiden, which our show has a particular interest in. <laughs> exactly. And The Adventures of Lolo, which is a cool game. Yeah. Um, so I guess the ones that are coming out are pretty cool. I just don't understand, uh, soccer, tennis, um, pro, um, pro wrestling is an interesting game. It's not a good game, but it's there, I guess. Baseball, soccer, and tennis, it's, those are black box games that no one's going to play. It's funny because actually Excite Bike is a black box game, isn't it? Yep. Um, that one's got a lot of nostalgia, but I don't think anyone would play it anymore. I mean, except for people who had it back in the day. I play it all every time I see it just because yep. there's something about that. And you can overheat. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Yoshi, I think, was a puzzler. I don't know. I think it's an interesting mix of games. Techno Bowl is a classic. There's people that still play Techno Bowl mm-hmm. today with... They, they hacked the ROM and they put modern players in every year. So that about four years ago, I got together some neighborhood guys and they, they're they not interested in retro gaming at all. But I told them Tecmo Bowl and they were yep. like, oh, I played that on my original Nintendo. And I said, you know, you can hack the ROM and put modern teams. So we did. And we put the Niners on there. We put like a bunch of modern teams and they came over and we played. Oh, and yeah. It was awesome. When was that? This was about four years ago. Okay. Four or five years ago. That's cool. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, and it works great. And every year they come out with all the new teams, all the new players. And if you have an EverDrive, it literally just pop this new ROM on there, and you yep. can play it. It's awesome. But you know when I so I did buy this the online, which I don't play my Switch online, so I just bought it just in case maybe a game comes out I want to play online. But I downloaded these games, and the first one I loaded to test it out and play it was. So you bullet- actually do download them. You you download one game and it is all these games. It's like the emulator. So it's an app. It's an app. Yep. So all your games are contained within the app. Correct. Okay. You gotcha. don't have to. You, you don't download each one individually. You download the one and you have them all. And Balloon Fight was the first one I tried because I love that game. I'm a sucker for the Joust game. Yeah. And uh, Balloon Fight's a fun one. Which is a clear ripoff of it Joust. Is, which is, is a clear ripoff. But... Yep. Um. But another one I'm interested in is I never um, I never played much through Super Mario Brothers 3. You're kidding me. Nope. So I played the Super Mario Brothers. And, uh, You're kidding me. But I never played 3 all the way through. One of the greatest games ever made? Yeah. And I... I... That game will... 
Uh, see, I don't even know how to put that into context. If you've never played it. I mean, I played it, but maybe gotten to the first level and then moved on to something else. No, no. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You could spend a month on that game. Yep. So I'm looking forward to having that on the Switch so that I it's can't mobile. believe you've never played Super Mario Brothers 3. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, okay, we have to have uh we have to have a game night, multiplayer game night. Yep. I agree. Man. But super uh double I mean River City Ransom's fun. I play that one. So the cool thing about Super Mario Brothers 3 is I want I want you to I mean I'm not going to tell you anything about it, especially if you don't know anything about it. So it's it's one of those games though where once you start learning, I mean even as a kid we we already heard before we owned the game all the little secrets and hints and stuff about the game. Yeah. So when we play it now, I could get to the last world within like twenty minutes. Oh, okay. Because there's these secret flutes, and you're never gonna find them unless you know the secrets. They're you, they're they're, gonna, they're things you don't you wouldn't naturally do. Right. But now, when you play the game, you're, you just play to beat it. So I, I will go from level one straight to level four, and from there straight to, or not four, three? Anyways, from there straight to eight. And then you try to get through eight. You have to work your way all the way through eight. Yeah. But if you were to actually play that game front to back, there's so much in there. Yeah, my wife is super good at Super Mario Brothers, and she can get... She can play all the way through that game in an hour. Yeah, and they've got the warps and stuff. Yeah, she goes to warp zones, but she can play through all the levels. She can beat all the bosses. She, She's an expert at that game. Um, and I'm okay at it, but I was never great at it. But So I never really moved on to to any of the... <sighs> You're going to have fun with that. you got to play that one. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, on this list, uh, if I were to have it today... So... I mean, there, honestly, there's not a lot of games on here I would play by myself because I'm burnt out on all these games. And see, uh, if I play Super Mario Brothers 3, I'm going to do it on my um, NES Classic Mini because there's yeah. save states. So, Well, and it's just cooler. Yeah, uh, I mean... So yeah. here's my issue with... Well, I'm going to do... I'm, I can do rants and raves. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, here's my thing with Nintendo Online, from what I've heard, and you can confirm or deny... Or correct. Mm -hmm. Step one, I love the fact that they're the online portion embraces couch co-op. Yep. Have you actually tried that, or do you? you no, I, I, I don't really have any friends on the Switch yet. I yep. mean, I do have some a couple guys from Twitter that are on there, but it, so here's my rant about okay. about it about online on Switch. You have to download some app on your phone. To actually do the voice. voice chat. Whereas like on Xbox and PS4, it's all built in. So it's all super easy. Which is weird. That the Switch thing is just so dumb. It It is not conducive to people playing together online. Because now you got to get an app. you got to get together. you got to plan your gaming. It should be all on the console. Uh, yeah. So I do agree with that. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. I mean, that's just simple stupid. Yeah. It's just Voice it's, should be included in the app. Done. I mean, yep. how hard would that be to implement? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um, but what I do love is that they took the whole, everything I love about classic video games and included it, except for the voice chat part of it, which is you can do everything you could do sitting next to somebody on the game. Yeah. Right? That, and that is cool. So I could we, we literally turn on the game. And I've heard people, some people complain about this. And there's no added features. You can't play four players, Super Mario, whatever. You're playing the ROM. You're playing the game. And we could... We basically can pretend that our controller is controller one and controller two. Yep. And we can switch them whenever we want. Right? That's what I've heard. You can switch them whenever you want. And um, 
And then if you're not playing, you can you get control of a little pointer, a little finger. Have you heard about this? Or I don't know if you've seen it. Or I haven't seen it yet. I haven't tried it. So I guess you can um, interact kind of while the other person's player. You can like point things out so that in theory you're voice chatting, but you could also be like, oh, see, go over here, go over here, and you have this little finger kind of pointing over That's here. That's pretty neat. Or, or check this one out, check this one. I know whatever. I so, haven't tried that yet. So from what I hear, they've tried to recreate the couch co-op experience, and they do have an app to download, which I guess, I don't know how integrated it is with the system, mm-hmm. but they do have a voice chat app Right. you download to you. I don't know how that works, but... I, I've never downloaded it because I just thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. It's dumb, but there's got to be a reason they can't do it. There's got to be a reason. I, listen, so the Switch has Bluetooth, because the controllers are basically Bluetooth, okay? So... You could make and sell, which Nintendo loves to do, sell things. They could sell a Bluetooth headset and just join it to your Switch, pop it on. Everything makes sense. There's got to be a reason they don't do it because they never do it. They never do it. Yeah. What was it? So you have a Wii U, right? I don't. I don't either. But that ha- did that have some I kind want of- one because I was waiting for the price to drop, but it's and Nintendo because they, they don't drop. They never did. And I never had one either, but I was just waiting but there's some really good games on there, and nobody knows about them, and I want them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but they're now all coming out on the Switch for $60 again. Yeah. Something tells me you're not going to find a Wii U on Shop Goodwill. <laughs> I haven't tried. Me either. I, honestly, I was now saying I, that in jest, and I never did. I, I never looked either. We'll make a pact. We both have to go get one before we put this episode out. Exactly. Because what's going to happen, un- undoubtedly... Is uh, we'll release this episode and our millions of viewers are all going to go buy them. We'll buy all the Wii U. All of our millions of viewers. Yep. Um, so here's my issue from what I've heard. Okay. The online NES games, you cannot adjust the controls. That's fair. I don't think that's a big deal, right? But I've heard the buttons are backwards from what the Nintendo controller are backwards. Really? That's a. That's, have you tried? Have you played? I, I have not. But Balloon Fight wasn't backwards. Wasn't backwards? Not that I know of. I well, mean, Blue Fight, there's only one button. That's. Yeah, I guess there is only one button. It's like Joust. One is fast flap and one is like slow. So from what I've heard, if you go put Super Mario on, you're used to because uh, the Nintendo controller is BA. So oh, if you use your I, controller, I it'll, honestly it'll haven't tried that yet. So jump is from what every game I've ever played. Jump is shoot and shoot, shoot jump, yeah. and you can't change that. I haven't. I honestly haven't tried that. Do you know how you fix the problem? How do you? You buy the NES Classic controllers specifically made for Nintendo Online for $60. Okay, yeah. And then they reverse the controls on those. Gosh, Nintendo! <laughs> so I was going to... Are you w- kidding me? I was going to mention the controllers because I don't plan on buying them. There's sixty dollars for two controllers, right? And I got this eight bit dough like Super Nintendo controller, which which you're physically holding in front of me here. So the which I love. I just bought this maybe a month ago. I want to see that thing. That um, I love eight bit doughs. This thing quality. is solid, and they made it for PC, so it has two analog sticks too. Uh huh. So you can join that to your PC. You can join it to your Switch. And the funny thing is, when you activate it and you turn it on, you can hit a button. And it can join up to four devices. So PC, um, your Switch, um, whatever. You, you basically can join it to all these different systems, and it will link to all of them. Um, Ooh, and it has L1 and L2. We yep. just turned it on. 
That's fine. So I wasn't going to buy these controllers because I was like, I like this one. So I might as well just use it, even though it's not a real NES controller. It's more like the Super Nintendo controller, but I wasn't going to buy them. But now that you mentioned that, if the buttons are backwards... So here's the thing. So I guess it, if you want to say backwards, I can show you on this from what I understand. Okay. So if we take... Well, if we took a Nintendo controller, yeah. B is on the left. Okay. A is on the right. So when you look at this controller, yeah. B is also on the left, but it's the bottom, and A is on the right, but it's in the middle right. I don't know how to explain that better. Right. B is south, A is east. Yep. But you're, naturally, your hands are going to say Y and B. That's where they go. Yeah. So, but Y doesn't do anything. So you have to go like this and put your arm elbow up and go down on them. Yeah. Or else you just have to somehow know to hit B and then jump over to A and know that they're backwards. <laughs> it sounds like a simple issue, but if you played these games for dozens of years, then that's an issue. Yeah. And there's only one way to fix it because they could simply go into the software and be like, all right, you can remap them. But instead they say, all right, you can buy $60 worth of controllers. Yep. Now to be fair, it's 60 for two. So but, 30 bucks piece, which... But you have to buy two. Yeah. The thing... I mean, now, here's my other... They're pretty neat, though. I will say they're pretty cool. They they snap into the sides of the Switch for recharging. I mean, I've looked at them, and they look neat. But I'm like, do I want to spend 60 bucks when I have this? That, yeah. That is... When I play the NES games, I just use this, and it's like... It joins to my Switch, and it works great. Which buttons do you hit when you play it? I don't... I don't remember. Probably... I remember, I think it was B and... It's got to be B and Y. I, mean, that's I think it's B and that's where Y. where your fakers go. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it also sounds like the Nintendo 64 Classic is a sure thing. Yeah. I've heard I've heard more more things, more patents, and more whatever. Now that one I will there. get. Yeah. N64 you can't really emulate very well, so it, I would love to have one that plays on HDMI. I, it's hard for me to say anything about any of those since I haven't bought a single one yet. But that's because I'm still... You heard my rave from last time. Yep. So, or my rant from last time. I'm still uh, waiting for Nintendo to win me over without kicking me in the crotch. Yeah. That, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> they get close and then they kick. Just take your kick and smile. And again, I, I can accept <laughs> the fact that even though I keep making mention of it this, this show, that they charge a lot of money for their games. That's a business decision. They can charge what they want. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, oh, here here is the thing, the other thing I do love about the. Um, Nintendo online service and those controllers, even though they're unnecessary and we shouldn't have to pay that much for them and we shouldn't have to want to buy those because the buttons are messed up on the other ones. They are at least trying to fight the scalper market, which they were clearly feeding with the Nintendo classic. Right. Uh, Which nowadays, by the way, you can walk into target and just get anything you want. I mean, yeah, but at this point I'm buying it used because I'm not giving my money to Nintendo for that product. They screwed that one up. I do want it. I want to physically own it. Yeah. Anyways, that is in the past. Um, I guess the only way you can buy these controllers is if you have an active Nintendo Online membership. Right. That's true. And you can only buy one or one set. One set, yeah. So what that means is you can't go ahead and buy a ton of these and hoard the market and scalp them. And So at least they're making an effort because we want people who want the product to be able to buy the product. Right. So that is cool. Yep. Thank you for that one. Did you hear Mega Man 11 is coming out? I I I think I heard it's, about it. It's actually it, already out. Is it? Yep. This is old news, but news to me. 
Do you have an opinion on that? I don't really. Mega Man's a tough one for me. I, I actually really? like playing them, but I'm really, really bad at them. Really? Yep. So Mega Man's always been, honestly, probably my favorite series. That's cool. I've played every single classic, I'm going to say classic, classic styled Mega Man, except for seven. So I played, I, I shouldn't just say played, I've beaten one through six, which are all the NES ones. Yeah. I did not do seven, which is Super Nintendo. I did eight, which was actually PlayStation and Saturn. I did, I did PlayStation. And then nine and 10 were the, they came out, what, 10 years ago now? Not quite. Um, but those are the ones they released on PlayStation 3 and all the modern systems. Yeah. And they were solid. Which one was your favorite one on the NES? Was... It's, it's funny. This this is this is something that drives me nuts because people who talk about these games act like two and three are the far by far the best. Okay. And then they start going downhill from there. They all play except for Mega Man One, which is clearly different and really difficult. Um, they all play so similar, dude. It's like they're all B pluses to A minuses. Okay. Every single one of them. Except for n- number one, I would say, is maybe a B- minus because they were figuring it out. I don't understand how people get, like, they say Mega Man 5 and 6 were not worth playing or something. Okay, maybe they're a B-. minus. And when you say you beat uh, them, you, you got them all. You, you beat the final boss and you Yeah, done. played all the way through. Now, I don't, the, the part of the game is knowing which bosses to play in which order, which levels to play in which order. Oh, okay. So there is some strategy oh, to that. So if you didn't know that, that I didn't know that's that. probably why they were so hard to do. The levels themselves, I mean, all the all, the whole game you can play through with just your regular shot. But the whole game is based off of you beat a boss, you get their gun. Okay. Which you can now use for other levels and other bosses. So sometimes you'll play a boss that just seems impossible. And then you realize, oh, if I just go get, you know, it's a bad example because I'm not using a real example. Um, actually, I think it is. If you go fight bubble man you'll get bubble blast or whatever it is okay and now you can go fight fireman and it'll take like three shots and he'll die because oh wow the water, so there is the water puts out the fire there's an order to do it so yeah every single game is about figuring out that order well, so you know so you can play through go... and so you can either take the time to sit there play through all these levels and get to the bosses and go crap i can't beat this one yet or else you can just go online and look up the boss order i'll do that <laughs> honestly that's what i do too at this point because i don't yeah. have enough time but if you know the order, you can play through all the games and you can see all the content and you're legitimately beating the game. You're just not taking the time to figure out all the trial and error. Okay. So for me, it's worth it. But I also beat 9 and 10, which are the newer ones. And this is now 11. So obviously the, the previous, uh, the guy who, who basically was the Mega Man guy, I can't remember his name, Japanese, obviously guy from Capcom, Okay. was going to be making a Mega Man 11 at one point and he left Capcom and created Mighty Number no. 9. Okay. And that was supposed to be the new Mega Man, obviously with everything except for the name, and it was terrible. That's what, I mean, I, I didn't play it, but I heard from everybody that it was not good. I have not played it, and I wanted to buy a physical copy, and okay. eventually I got an online copy. I think the PlayStation Network dropped it down to like $1.49. Oh, God. So I just bought it for that. And did you play it? I still have not played it. Okay. I want to play it because I, I don't like listening to other people's opinions on something that I think I might love. Yeah. Like I've had game series that I really enjoy and I got all these bad reviews and I play and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. So I'd love I, to hear what those are later, but 
I'll have to I wanna, think about it. I want to try Mighty Number no. Nine. I want to give it a shot. I, it's hard for me, and I'm sure it is, but it's hard for me to imagine how you can screw it up that bad where it's not even worth playing. Yeah. It seems like such an. I mean, it's a platformer. You shoot, I don't know. I've also played a lot of the Mega Man X games, but um, those are good. Some of them. But anyway, it's Mega Man Eleven is coming out, or it came out. And it seems to have that that original Mega Man formula, so it, it it's getting really good reviews, like eighty five out of a hundred kind of reviews. I might have to take the challenge and go load up like one of the Mega Man on the NES and with save states, so that I can get through it and just try to see yep. if I could do it in a specific order. Maybe I have an easier time. I didn't know that. I just I would just go randomly. Yep. I'm, I'm gonna and try get, this guy. And get your butt kicked. And then I get my butt kicked, and then I'm like, yep. okay, I'm done with this game, and then I move on. So to answer your question, my favorite Mega Man, but this, and usually I don't let the nostalgia cloud my vision. Yep. But it would be Mega Man Three because that's the one I owned and I know that thing inside and out. Okay. You know, back this is one of my before the bubble burst stories. When I first got a Nintendo, I got it from a guy on Twitter, and he sold me his. Nez and it was in mint condition with the zapper in the box orange or, or gray it's it's an or, it, it's a gray Nez. oh go. the zapper you mean yeah um i think it's orange okay it's been a long time i have that's that still in the one. box that's, in that's my what garage. i got yeah yeah um but and it was a guy on twitter cloud scout is his name and he sold it to me and um i i God, I've lost my train of thought now. I bought that and I went to a local store and they had Mega Man. I think I might be wrong on this, but I think I have Mega Man 1 through 5 or 6. Is there a 6 on NES? Yes. But I found them and they were like 10 or 15 bucks a piece. Hmm. Like I said, before the bubble burst, I think I'm going to have to go look at, at what I have. But now I go and I look at the prices on those and they're like ridiculous. Yeah, I I did sell five and I sold I sold most of them. Again, cause I, I know you don't sell stuff. I know I don't. But five I got like a hundred and twenty bucks for. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I I might I might be missing a couple of them, but I know I got a bunch dirt cheap like at this local yeah. place before the bubble burst. Like, it was like before people were collecting. I was at a video game store, and part of me wanted to break my my moral code because somebody brought in while I was there a box of Mega Man games. Okay. And they had one through six and Mega Man X, X two and X three. And they, the game store, I won't mention names. It's not here in Elk Grove. It's not that one. Okay. Offered 200 bucks for the set for all of them. And I was about to be like, I'll give you 500 right now. Oh really? So that I, much want, money I wanted to say that to the person. Mega Man X2 and X3 alone are worth together over 300. Oh wow. And then Mega Man 5 is over 100. So there's my money back. I I just yeah. <laughs> I sat there and just bit my tongue and stared into their uh their handheld case and just tried to shut up. Yeah, you got to like wait till the guy goes to the back room or something and say, "Hey, meet me out in the parking lot." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could have I mean, there's nothing illegal about me just talking no. to the person and be like, "I'll give you more than that right now." Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm a good Christian. I, mean, I can't do that. <laughs> they walked into a place of business, blah, 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 blah. I want to do that so bad, but that's right. Those guys gave me a really good deal on my Vectrix when I bought that. So I guess I'll repay the favor and not snipe their business. Right. 
Um, All right. Well, I'm going to put a note to myself to retry Mega Man with getting online notes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe we'll play some, uh, again, multiplayer night. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I wonder when Mega Man 3 is coming out on the... So you can go get a Switch and then we can play online. For 60 bucks? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, they had the classic, the Mega Man collections, which I own them all on the... That is something I bought, again, on the PlayStation 4. But they were, again, they were heavily discounted. So, cool thing about those is you can play those Mega Man games like I already have, but now there's cool trophies you can go for. Which, right. again, right. do I care about trophies? Not really, but if they, it's not just like you beat the game, you get a trophy. It's if you do this, you get a trophy, or yeah. you can try this. Or We've never break- really talked about this. I kind of like achievements or trophies. Mm-hmm. I think it adds a cool element to a game that otherwise would just have its own internal awards but now you have external awards and something else to go for yep absolutely yeah there's a game coming out called tetris effect which is basically a way to repackage tetris on modern systems okay you heard about that one i have not i don't know how many more versions of tetris i need right but the kind of the gimmick with this one which is kind of cool um is that you know when you play a puzzle game or tetris uh, specifically for a long period of time then go to sleep and you're like you're trying to go to sleep and everything you think of has falling blocks in it and everything mashes together and it drives right. you crazy. Yep. They call that the Tetris effect. I guess it's been like actual yeah. science experiments based on it. <laughs> I remember on my Game Boy, like playing like the, the, when I had the original Game Boy playing Tetris so much that like I would start seeing like, yep. I've done that on numerous games. Yeah. So anyways, this game, it still looks like standard Tetris. But there's all kinds of crazy effects going around that kind of re- recreate that whole, like, are you playing Tetris? Or are you trying to go to sleep right now? And your thoughts and everything else is mixing with Tetris. So huh. it's kind of got this... It's just... I think it's more just a visual effect. Right. What is weird about it, though, is that it's on a 16 by 9 large screen whatever, whatever TV you're playing on. But the Tetris is... Ti- the actual game is a tiny amount of... It's probably 20% of your screen okay. in the center. They huh. made it really small. And the effects are going crazy around you. Yeah. Um, have you heard of Wargroove? I have not. Wargroove is coming out on pretty much all the new consoles. And it looks freaking awesome. Um, I told you in the last show, one of my favorite games, I did mention Advance Wars. Yes. And I had mentioned how... I did uh, last episode, my one ding against it is that the last level basically becomes a puzzle. Yeah. It makes it so hard that if you don't do everything exactly right, you can't win it. Okay. So I never did complete it. I got that last level and stopped. Wargroove is a brand new game coming out. Basically, is a complete recreation of a of a advanced war light game. Wow. It looks really cool. And it's on pretty That's much on everything, say. huh? That's what it sounded like. Um, <clears throat> it looks so cool. I'm going to have to check that <laughs> out. I, I got to look that up because I've never heard of it. And Advance Wars, of course, being a tactical yeah. war game, basically, but with cute characters. Yep. And, um, I don't know, it's just so fun. All right. I can't believe we haven't talked about this one yet. The PlayStation Classic is announced. Well, I think by the last episode we recorded, it was pretty new. I mean, it, was, it had just been announced or something. I hadn't heard it since... I, I heard it after the last episode, so... Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this is the time to talk about it. Well, I know. Um, I'm just saying. I, I'm surprised we didn't mention it when first. I, yeah, when I heard about it, um, I told my wife about it, and she actually pre-ordered it for me for Christmas. Aww. So I'm gonna get it. Nice. I'm gonna be getting it, and uh, 
The one thing I wanted, I'm hoping for, and I heard a rumor it was going to happen, was my favorite game on <laughs> on the PlayStation is Twisted, Twisted Metal, Metal Two, and uh, Twisted Metal Two specifically. And I heard that the rumor is it will be one and two will be on it. Do you know does Twisted Metal Two with the four tap adapter? Can you play four players? I don't think so. Okay, I think it's two only. Okay. Yep. So the games that are announced for it: Final Fantasy VII, Tekken Three, Ridge Racer Four, Jumping Flash. Weird one. Yep. And Wild Arms. Uh, comes with two controllers that are the standard original PlayStation yep. controller, which a lot of people are complaining about. I think that's perfect. Yeah, I think it's great. Because, I mean, they the original PlayStation didn't have the DualShock. So. Yep. It's going to come out uh, with 20 games, and um, which is awesome because they're PlayStation games. They're full-fledged games. Yep. And it's 100 bucks. Yeah, I mean, think about 20 games of full ISOs on CDs. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. It's going to take a good, yeah. And it comes with the two controllers and yep. blah, 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 blah. Um, it's pretty cool how they use the buttons. I think start switches CDs, quote unquote, yep. Yep. switches games, reset, pauses the game. Yep. So cool. And it it uh, it doesn't come with a power supply, I heard, but it's USB. So you That's can, a weird choice. Yeah, you can literally I get put, it. A lot of TVs, though, nowadays have a USB port in them that supplies full power. So, but even if that's the case, you'd think they'd include a USB cord. Yeah, it's still interesting. It's yeah. a weird choice to it's me. It's a price cut, you know. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd rather pay a hundred bucks than a hundred and ten and supply my own. Yeah, but that's still weird. It it is weird. It is weird. So, what do you think about those five games they've announced? I like all of them, except I've never played Jumping Flash, so I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, Final Fantasy Seven. I'm not interested in. It does. I know it's supposed to be great, but it. I'm not going to play 80 hours of a terrible polygon looking. I know at the time it looked amazing and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't anymore. Tekken 3 is a fighter. Not interested. Oh, I like Tekken. I like Tekken 3 specifically. I I actually had that on my original PlayStation back in the day. Yeah. You like fighters. I do like That's fighters. That's fine. I don't. So. Ridge Racer 4 is great. Ridge Racer 4 I'd be excited about. I yep. love that game. Jumping Flash is this weird... First person, I don't know how to describe it. I watched some video of it. You're, it's like a platformer, but it's like first person, early 3D. You're jumping and trying to shoot that. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It looks really basic. I don't. I, I don't I've never I, even heard of it. I don't understand why it's on this list. No one's ever mentioned it, so maybe it has. It is a classic or something I, people have played. I've, but yeah, I've never heard of it, so I don't know what it is. That's weird. Wild Arms, I believe, is an RPG, JRPG. I think it is. I, I, I know I've heard of Wild Arms, but I've never played it. So my take on this is, and this is probably the, I'm not going to say unpopular, but it's probably the least popular opinion. Everyone nowadays, when they look about retro games, they, they talk about how great the PlayStation was and blah, 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 and how an N64 was, was kind of subpar and they have no interest in playing it. A lot mm -hmm. of people rate the N64 really low. I wouldn't disagree that it should be rated fairly low. Because that early 3D stuff is hard to play now. Yeah, it is. But it was my least favorite genre. Yeah. Uh, in the generations of consoles was the introduction of 3D. But again, the PlayStation, to this day, I hear that and I instantly just think, ugh. The like, only thing I've never there's there's very few games I ever in my nostalgia wise there's been nothing that I've ever wanted to play on PlayStation. Hmm. Now that being said. Looking back now, yeah, I know there was 2D games and all kinds of great stuff that weren't crazy popular, right? But um, 
most of the stuff I saw on that system would just looked terrible to me. The, the the killer for me with the N64, and we've talked about this, is the controller. I hated it. So yeah. that that yep that alone, I'm out. But there were games on N64 that were great, like Mario Kart, things yep. like that. But PlayStation is the one I chose back in the day, and I actually owned it. But I didn't have a ton of games, but the games I had I really liked. And that was like Tekken, um, Ridge Racer I had, um, Twisted Metal 2 I had um loved them you have a few games i really do want to play i mean i want to i want to play spyro i did play twisted metal 2 that one i did like yeah uh, but i do again i remember it being hard especially on small tvs which i usually played on small tvs yep it's hard for me to figure out what the hell i was looking at oh and twisted metal 2 yeah yeah i, I love almost it. any of those games yeah. i if, just played it again if you were moving recently? you oh. could you could spatially figure out what was going on but if you ever slowed down i couldn't tell what was what yeah it, it the pixel density was so so low, um, but I'm looking up there. There's a bunch of, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of JRPGs on the system that I didn't know about as a kid. But um, yeah. I have a Lundra, which is supposed to be supposed to be really good. Yep. Um, just for just for educational purposes, I have Tomb Raider. I want to try playing the original Tomb Raider. Um, I did play a little of the original, uh, not original, but Gran Turismo two. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get uh, Grand Theft Auto the original. Because that's yes. completely different gameplay. It looked cool. And in fact, I went to that local Elk Grove store because yeah. I wanted to get GTA 3, which is the first 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have it in stock. Okay. He said I, he did in the computer because I called ahead. And when I get, went in there, he couldn't find the case. I did. I played GTA 3. It was on a Steam, either Steam sale or I think I got it for free. Okay. I think I got it in part of a hum, humble bundle. Yeah. So I got it for free. And I played... 15 minutes and I had to stop. It did not age well. <laughs> it didn't age well, but back in the day, I remember I, that was one game I bought and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, okay. It was fun. So I got... didn't, I, I, let me go back. I didn't, I didn't, I don't want to say I loved it, but I, it was like, well, it was mind blowing. Cause it was there like, was you can, nothing you else can do ever what? like it. Yeah. And d- yep. d- just, if you just wanted to drive a car around, it was an awesome game. Yep. Even if you didn't do any missions. So, so this is not one I think I'm going to pick up. At least until I'll probably pick it once they're in the bargain bins for thirty nine ninety nine or whatever. Right. Um, I'll pick up uh, the Nintendo two Nintendo products before this. I also do plan on picking up that Neo Geo, which is a quick rehash. We talked about it last time. We found out that that original price point of a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. Got you the system, no controllers. That's right. Which is our big boo because those controllers look cool. They do, and they're a little pricey individually. It was one, $149.99 with the two. Yeah. Or else you can buy them individually for, I think, the same price, 25 bucks each. Yep. So that's a bummer. Yep. That's a $150 solution there. Um, I found a couple of games that are coming out, and so did you. Yep. What do you got? I, I could have sworn we talked about this already, but Tanglewood on the Sega Genesis, did we talk about that? I don't believe so. I, I, I am familiar with it. It was released on other systems, right? It was. In fact, I think I have it downloaded in my Steam library. Okay. I think it's already out. But it the cartridge is supposed to come out pretty soon. That's cool. For the Sega Genesis. And that one looks really good. We'll put the links in the show notes to take a look at it. But I was looking at some videos of some 
footage of it it looks really good and, and for a sega genesis game i think that would be pretty neat to have a real cartridge and it's a uh uh adventure game it, it's point a, and click tanglewood is it point and click i thought it was more of a platformer oh is it i might be totally wrong on that but i, I think. thought it was released by one of the guys who came out with all those point and clicks back in the day no i thought that was that that was different that That's was um, i'm mistaken I think you're mistaken. I think that one, I can't remember the name of it. I bought it. I have it on Steam, but I can't remember the okay. name of it um, off the top of my head. I love how we buy things on Steam. We just don't play them. I have a huge, well, yeah. I have this huge <laughs> Steam library. I don't even play PC games very much. Yeah. I always, yeah. I. Hmm. But you know, the last news thing I'll just touch on is I did see a really cool video on um, if you wanted to mod your switch, which I'm not ready to do, I don't really have the balls to do that yet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but if you did, they have RetroArch running on it, which I like RetroArch. I actually even like it better than some of the other front ends. RetroArch RetroArch has a very nice and clean, almost like a PS3, PS4 menu system. So to clarify, yeah, that's the front end that has all the emulators Correct. built in, or at least you can stack them. Yep, and I always liked RetroArch. It was very clean. It was very. Uh, it reminds me because I have a PS3. It reminds me of the menu system in the PS3 yep. where you go left and right and then you go up and down. Um, but more responsive. It, yeah, <laughs> but I saw it running on the Switch and it looks really cool. Very cool. I, I I'm not ready to mod my Switch. I won't do that until I get a Switch. Like no, I, I would not do that at this point. No. So, but I thought it was neat. I sent this one to you, Micro Mages. Oh, yeah, and that looks really good. <laughs> this is so cool. Yep. So a new on-cartridge NES game. It was kickstarted. I did not make it in time to, to kickstart it. Um, I really wanted to. It's, I think it was 60 bucks to get the full game with a box and manual. Um, so this fits right into what I'm doing right now. Uh, it was it was kickstarted and it was completed, so hopefully they'll have extra copies or they'll, they'll produce it for um, continuous sale. I don't know. I want to get a copy of it, and uh, it is almost like a reverse Towerfall. Uh, it looked kind of Towerfall E. Yeah. But basically, you're these little mages, and you're running up a tower, but the uh, the screen is continuously scrolling up. So it it almost feels like a Kid Icarus because yeah. you're, you're climbing the tower, but if you can't fall, you'll die. Right. So you're trying to. It looks like you're trying to defeat enemies and stuff. It looked cooperative. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't Towerfalls. The opposite of that is you kill each other, right? Right. So you're trying to clear these screens together as you go up and survive, and it's just this cool, frantic tower ascension game. Looked really cool. The sprites were very small, but that allowed you to have all kinds of things going on. Um, and the coolest part about it is it supports four players. Does it support your four score? Yep. Oh, wow. Well, I'm assuming so. It says it supports four, four players, and it's an actual cart. Yeah. There's only four, two adapters, the satellite or the four score. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming, I would assume it, it, it accepts both. I don't know. So the only thing I say to that is that, like Micro Machines, do you remember the ports were built into the cartridge? That was for Genesis, though. Was that for Genesis? The one that had the ports in the cartridge, and that was only the European version. Oh, okay. Okay. I just thought they may have come up with some wacky thing for the NES to do that. Because I've been looking for a Genesis Micro Machines cart. The yeah. American ones you can't. You only do two. Yeah. The European ones you can. They have literally 
DB9 ports in the cartridge so you can play four players. Yeah, I got to look through my collection. I thought I had that. Do you have that? I want a copy of that because I do want to do that, and I'd like to do that in our multiplayer game night. Hmm. Yep. All right. So Micromages, totally want to play that. Yep. Would love to buy a copy. Kickstarter's done. I missed out, but hopefully it'll be available. Yep. This next one, I haven't heard anybody mention this, but I saw this because I do, uh, uh, I love v- my Vita. Yeah. So I'll just say it right now. My v- The Vita is my favorite handheld of all time. Okay. I don't understand why it gets all the hate. I understand there's not a lot of games that have come out for it. I mean, the, Jap- the Japanese arm, uh, RPGs have been basically keeping that thing alive over there, except I think now they've officially stopped support for it in yep. Japan. So I've been looking at limited run games, and also Play Asia has their game service where they're releasing physical copies of games. Okay. Well, limited run games came out with their 15th Nintendo Switch game, which was Golf Story for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and I've 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 heard a podcast on, from the owner of Limited Run Games. Yeah. It's I I just in case our listeners haven't ever heard of Limited Run Games, but. They will take a game that is typically just digital only, digital only, and they will make a physical copy of it and for limited runs, like yep, fifteen hundred copies. They want to make sure whatever. every copy they make, they get a profit on, and it makes sense. Yep. So just so in case anybody hadn't heard about that, I think that's pretty neat. So they've been doing PlayStation Four games forever. They're up to like a hundred and forty of them or something. Okay. Um, and they originally they were doing only doing like one or two a month. Now they're at the point where every week they're releasing games. Yeah. Um, but they're on, this is their only 15th Switch release. But what is cool about this is... Cool about it, but also frustrating. Because mm-hmm. I almost bought my first Switch game, and I don't even own a Switch. So apparently, I've never played... You've played Golf Story, right? We talked about this? I have. I, I really liked it. Okay, so... I'm probably 75% through the game. Oh, really? Yeah. So do you... Where does Golf fit in? Have you heard of Golf? G- G-A-L-F? I have not heard of that. Okay. But it's been a while since I played. I stopped playing probably, you know, four okay. months ago. Well, if you remember, I am really I love video game golf, and I really yep. wanted Golf Story. I don't have a Switch. That's yep. one of the reasons I would like to buy one. It's someone, uh, ex- exclusive that almost makes me want to jump in there. But apparently within this game, mm-hmm. there is a game called Golf, which is like an old school, original 8-bit NES golf game that you can play within Golf Story. I'd never seen that. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's the way I understand it. Okay. So, Limited Run Games, when they released this, they had a special of whatever edition that was 80 bucks. Okay. But if you spent more than that, I can't remember how it worked. Long story short, they made 150 actual NES cartridges with GALF on it. So they, essentially, Limited Run Games released 150 Limited Run NES cartridges. That's pretty neat. First time they've ever done that. Yeah. And there's only 150 of them made, so I really wanted to get one, even if it was terrible. That thing is going to be a collector's item. So there's did some... you get it? No. I. Oh, it, they were out? They, they, I mean, they say, they give you an email. They're like, great, we're releasing them. So I popped right on. They're like, yep, we're out of them. So. Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing is the podcast I heard with the guy on there, he said that one hate thing that they get a lot of hate mail about is that they sell out really quick. But he says that if you just keep emailing him and say, hey, I really want this. Can you try to put me on a list? They have people that back out of those. Oh, really? Like, you know, they, they say they want it, but when it comes time to pay, they don't pay or whatever. 
And he says, we always try to get the game to people who really want it, but you just got to keep kind of bugging us about it. I'll just edit this part out. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess a lot of the hate mail for limited run games is that they only have a limited amount and that it's, it's only for a couple of people will get it and everybody yep. hates that. I don't see a problem with it because I'm not all well, the problem out is, of shape, you know, when when I don't get something. The problem is they go to the scalpers, eat that stuff up. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the issue, unfortunately. Yep. Um, uh, I'll go through the rest of my stuff pretty quick here. GoldenEye 007 for the Nintendo 64. <clears throat> Old school uh, controls. Somebody uh, released a new ROM hack so that you could invert the aim, which is pretty much how we play the game now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they modernized the controls. Yeah. That's cool. Um, this is really cool. There's another Pico 8 D make of X Wing versus TIE Fighter. Oh, really? <laughs> I just saw that. It looked pretty cool. Oh, I got to I gotta look that up. Yep. Very good. This one's my own pat on the back. If you remember, we did our six good games, I do. eight edition, and one of the games I mentioned was Dank Tomb. I, yeah. So out of nowhere, I go on Indie Retro News. I'd like to think they're listeners of ours, right? because they just happened to release a thing saying, I know this game's already been out for a year, but it's beyond, basically beyond comprehension how they fit this into a PGA. It's, it's a huge game. Yeah. And they basically did a whole article on it, on how amazing it is and how they can't figure out how they fit that into a Pico 8 game. So they gave it a bunch of kudos after yep. after we mentioned it. Yep. Excellent. I'd like to say that we, uh, <laughs> we, we dropped that one. That was an exclusive. It was not. No. Um, and then last but not least on my list, uh, the game Time Spinner has been released, and I'm about to buy this thing. I think this one does go for 20 bucks which breaks my digital-only rule. I would love to buy this thing physical. So this game, uh, apparently, I, I don't know the whole story, but back when Shovel Knight was being announced, yeah. that it was coming out, yep. that they were making it, this mm-hmm. game was another game that was also touted to be one of these amazing indie games at that time. i got to check that out. And somehow it got pushed back until just this month it was finally released. And it is a Metroidvania but it looks really good. It looks almost like a, um, I don't know, it looks very Symphony of the Nighty, but it's not dark and atmospheric like that. It's more of a, uh, I really don't know how to describe it. It just looks amazing. Time Spinner. Uh-huh. PC, Mac, Linux, PS4, and Vita, so I'm going to Vita the heck out of that one. Yeah, I got to look that up. Um... In fact, it's most likely a cross-buy. I think it is, so I'll be able to do that on Vita and PS4. Yeah, I'd have to do go switch on that, but I'll look it up. That's that sounds interesting. I'm very curious what those notes are you just took. Oh, I'm I'm basically I'm just noting that things I need to look back up. I, there is a box with a line and then connected to another box. <laughs> Looks like a little barbell. Yeah, I that doesn't no really mean that anything means. other than like the level of uh, intensity of okay, things intensity? I want to look back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many? Le- so how I many put boxes? a little 3D cube there. <laughs> just little stupid. Is this notes. a system you've always used? Yeah, I like it. Okay, yeah. cool means something to you (laughs) all right well that is the end of the news so on my segment this month I wanted to talk about the Atari 5200. This was a console that I had as a kid, and in fact, it was the only cartridge-based console that I had. 
I can remember Christmas morning and waking up and seeing the Atari 5200 under the tree. And I remember unpacking it and the smell of the plastic um, and the sheer size of it. The Atari 5200, if you haven't seen one, is a huge console. And mainly it's because there are storage um, compartments in the back. You can open a lid and actually put the controllers down inside of the console itself. Um, for I, I don't remember exactly when and what year that I got the Atari 5200. I want to say it was probably a year um, into its production and the 5200 wasn't a successful console so it only was out for about two years before Atari shut it down for the 7800. Um, so I, I think we got the console you know maybe a year in and then towards the end of its life I remember getting a ton of cartridges on blowout at Toys R Us. They were just selling them for 10 bucks a piece and I remember using my allowance and also birthdays and things like that to get the games. Um, I there there is a ton of memories I have, and I'll I'll outline some of them. I just kind of wanted this to be kind of you know an informal discussion on my memories of the Atari fifty two hundred. It's often an overlooked system. I really did enjoy it, and I do remember why we got a fifty two hundred. One of my best friends got one uh, before I did, and I was just blown away by the arcade conversions um, and that's really w what the Atari 5200 has there there weren't many if any original games they were basically arcade ports um, and the thing that blew my mind was seeing videos um, well not videos back in the day obviously but going over people's houses and things like that and seeing the Atari 2600 and the graphics on there, uh, it was just night and day. The 5200 had what to my eyes back then looked like near perfect conversions of arcade classics, uh, you know, like Pac-Man and Centipede and things like that. And the only thing in that time era that came close to it was the ColecoVision. Um, and I do remember there was a competition, competition from Atari and Coleco back in the day um, for which one had the best arcade ports. Um, it, it just, the 5200 is often an overlooked system. And I kind of wanted to point out my reluctance to get one. It's one of the kind of gaps in my console collection. Uh, I have so many now, but uh, the only Atari I have is a, a Atari 2600. But I have avoided the 5200 uh, mainly for a few reasons. There's some challenges refurbishing one. Um, first of all, the size of the system alone and storing that can be difficult. It's a very large system. And the other thing which is big to me because I actually appreciate controllers and joysticks on retro systems. It's one of the things that I look forward to when I play on real hardware is the real controllers. Um, the joysticks on the Atari 5200 are legendarily crappy. Um, it, it had a joystick that didn't self-center. It didn't have springs inside. It basically used a rubber boot to keep the joystick in, in center. 
So what would happen is if you had a game where you were pushing left or right a lot, like uh, Choplifter, basically the joystick would stick in one direction because of overuse of pushing that joystick in one direction. So when you would start up a game, it would push the joystick left, right, whatever you were doing the most on that joystick. It kind of had this memory in the rubber boot that would cause it to not be centered. The the buttons on the side were very, um, I think they call it dead flesh feeling, like they were very rubbery, no click, there was no tactile feel to them. Um, and then another problem with refurbishing is the power supplies in the Atari 5200. They're not easy to find and they're not standard wiring. There isn't really a joystick or a power supply you can just go out and use with the 5200. Uh, so if your system, when you find one, doesn't have a power supply, you are going to have to figure out how to replace that. And there is a couple places online that sell them, um, but they are going for a pretty penny these days if they're in good shape. Um, with that said, I've been thinking about the Atari 5200 a lot these days, and I do think it's a system I would like to start collecting for. And if you know me from my Twitter feed or from the podcast, I'm not a big, I'm not, I, 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 I like collecting hardware and refurbishing hardware and having the hardware. The software, I'm okay with uh, flash carts and things like that because it's basically software. But with the Atari 5200, it's not impossible to get a full collection. I don't remember how many total cartridges it had, but it wasn't that many. I think it was 50-something. I might be wrong on that, but I think it was about 50 or maybe 70-something cartridges to in total. And that's not unreasonable to try to get a full collection. There is a multi-cart um, that I saw in Atari Age for the 5200, so that might not be a bad way to go. But it's not impossible to do a full collection, and that might be something fun. That's something I've never done, is try to get a complete collection. The Atari 5200 had a lot of cool hardware accessories, too. There was a trackpad um, that was almost as large as the console itself. Um, and that is a sought-after uh, accessory these days as well, for one that's in good working condition. Um, there are several trackball games, like Centipede, um, that can be enjoyed, and Missile Command is another great one. When I think back on what cartridges I had, I looked through a complete library, and this was, you know, back in the 80s, so my memory's a little soft on which cartridges I had and which I didn't, but I remember having River Raid. Um, I remember having Moon Patrol. I remember having Pac-Man, Pole Position, Choplifter, Dig Dug, Joust, Missile Command, Super Breakout and Mario Bros. And our Mario Brothers, depending on how you want to say it. Um, and I think that was my complete collection as a kid. And I played this console with both of my sisters a lot. Um, and a few of my favorites, um, I want to go into a little bit of each, of just a small memory of each one um, and what it meant to me. Um, the first one was Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol, the first time I played that was on the Atari 5200 at my friend's house, and I was uh, just instantly fell in love with it. 
that game and especially the music in the game stuck with me for years. In fact, um, later on, many years later, one of the first uh, songs I would learn on playing bass guitar was the Moon Patrol theme. Uh, Moon Patrol is a game where you are moving left to right on the screen in a moon buggy and you have two things you need to do. You need to shoot enemies as they fly above you. And when you press fire, you fire above you and in front of you. Or you need to jump over um, these divots in the road. If you hit the divot, you explode. Um, and there will be things in your path like rocks, missiles, things like that. And you have to either jump over them or fire the forward cannon to blast those away. Um, you go through levels of the alphabet, A through Z, and then it starts over again with harder enemies and uh, more difficult levels. Um, it is a classic game. I, I just learned not that long ago that Moon Patrol was an arcade game, but I had never seen it in arcade. So first time I ever saw it was on my friend's 5200, and it was one of the very first games I got when we received our 5200. Um, the next game is River Raid. And River Raid was a game that uh, blew my mind that you could fit so much on a cartridge. And I know that sounds weird, but the way the levels were, it was unique all the way. It just seemed like it never looped again. Um, everything was new. The, the canyons on the side, the placement of the enemies, it was the game just seemed so much bigger than it actually was. And it was a game from Activision. And the thing about this is in the box, there was a little flyer that said, if you scored a certain score, and I don't remember what the score was, you could email a Polaroid of your score into Activision and they would send you this little patch. And I think it's called an Explorer's Patch or something. I don't remember what it was called, but I do remember feverishly working to get to that score and when i finally did i mean I, I i must have played that game for months with a polaroid sitting next to me and when i did reach that score i took the picture i sent it away and i think it was a month later i received the patch in the mail and i remember my uh i think i had my mom's uh take that patch and sew it onto my baseball cap <laughs> and uh it was a good memory of River Raid and an amazing game. And when I got my Commodore 64, uh, it was a game. I, it was one of those go-to games that whenever I booted it up, I play. I would play that all the time. And even to this day, it, I remember my son was interested in my Commodore 64 when he was younger and uh, wanted to play a game. And River Raid was the first one I played, and he played it and loved it. Um, the next game was Pole Position. <laughs> Pole Position probably needs no introduction here. If you're a gamer, you know it was one of the first scrolling um, racers where you are, it's like a Formula One racer where you're looking behind your car and uh, you race down tracks and you go left and right. And you basically need to get a certain time on each lap to resume and keep going. And if you fall short, then your game is over. I do remember seeing so many pole position arcade machines. And this one, um, it didn't have the voice in it, but it did look to me, to the eyes of a kid, to be almost identical to the arcade 
machine. Um, I believe the console port on the 5200 lacked the voice and the ads that were on the billboards as you drove by them, but it was still such a great game. I really enjoyed that one. The next one was Joust, and the reason um, I have fond memories of Joust isn't necessarily the game, even though it's a great one. It was that I played it a ton with my older sister. Uh, we would play two-player cooperative, and we would try to get as far as we could. And just like siblings, we would sometimes accidentally hit each other, and we would then get into a fight where we would it would then we were not playing cooperative after that point. We would then play competitively. Um, and we would play that game over and over. Um, it was, it became a game that meant more to me because of playing with family than it does from a technical perspective or from even the fun of the game. Um, it was just a game I played with family. The last game I want to talk about is Choplifter. That was a game that um, I do remember playing in the arcades. I do remember playing it at my friend's house, and that is where I played it the most, even though eventually, towards the end of its life, I did pick up Choplifter for myself, but it was a game I played mainly at my friend's house. Um, he was a big fan of planes and helicopters, and that was a game that had such a, a really cool goal, and the goal wasn't necessarily just blowing up the enemy, but saving the lives of people on the ground. And uh, I remember we would just take turns playing that, and it was just a great memory of a, of a great game. So anyway, those were my favorite games, and just even talking about it now, I really do think that within the next you know five or six months, I'm going to try to find a... 5200 in decent condition and try to refurbish it and maybe start collecting the games um, Like I said before it's an often overlooked system, but it if you want arcade ports of older games This is the one system to have it is really a nice system for that one thing I need to look into which I didn't mention earlier is it is RF out only which uh, At least that's from what I remember so I need to look into mods to do video mods. I think I've read on a few uh, where you can at least, I think there's a simple mod for it to do composite out. And I think there's another one where you can get S video. So that is definitely one thing I'm going to have to tackle when I find one. But anyway, I'm signing off for now. Thanks for listening. guys this is cody here i am going to go ahead and do the fourth edition of the first 100 this is the uh, segment where i say hey i'm getting into a new system or in this case series um of uh, retro video games and i have got a hundred dollars to spend on games i've got the system now what do i buy well this is the game and watch edition i've uh, been uh kind of renewed in my interest in these lately because i've been checking out things on goodwill and buying some of the competitive uh, X-Tech versions, as you might have heard uh, earlier on this episode. Um, but if you guys have not heard of these, they're new to me. Again, I was born in 83. Um, this series started in 1980 and apparently went up through 86, it appears like. 
Um, but what it is is a series of handheld games. So kids my age um, were probably the Tiger handhelds were a big thing at my my age. Now <clears throat> these are a similar kind of device or a small handheld device. Each device plays one game on a screen um, that kind of has these background images. Actually, some of these have foreground images as well, which is different than the Tiger games. Um, and you'd play with just a few buttons on the front. They're pretty simple. The sound effects were more or less bleeps and bloops. Um, and what was interesting about them is when I was a kid, I played the Tiger ones and a few other brands. Um, I remember having Kung Fu and I had, um, oh no, it wasn't Kung Fu. It was called Karate Champ, I believe. And a Tiger handheld, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. One was made by Konami. Um, and these games were cool because we got a hold, uh, a handheld video game, play video game based on some of our favorite franchises, but the gameplay was pretty poor. Even at the time, they weren't terribly fun. You kind of played it because that's what you had on the go, um, specifically before Game Boys were a thing. Um, so when I saw that, uh, and this was new to me, that kind of before I was of age to know what a, uh, a handheld LCD game was, um, the Game & Watches were a thing. And uh, this is fairly new to me. I actually only learned about these about three or four years ago. And this is kind of Nintendo before they created the NES, um, when they were kind of t dipping their toes into video games. And um, what's cool about them is the very first one I got, which will be mentioned on this podcast, I realized, hey, these things are actually pretty legit. Like, they are actually, um, well, some of them are actually fun games. Nintendo was putting out quality products even back at the beginning of this whole video game thing. And uh, whereas today, you know, I could click on Tiger handheld and just go, oh, that was neat. I remember that kind of stuff. These games, you can actually, uh, you'll actually hold your attention for a while, especially if you still have the mentality of uh, going for high scores and things like that. So the trick of this is that these things, kind of like our last uh, show where I discussed Sega Saturn games, the prices have been climbing fast on these, unfortunately, again. Although I totally would recommend getting some of these. Um, specifically because, again, like Eric and I talked about, we love the hardware, we like the real hardware, but a lot of times the software is not as important. So um, if you actually still are trying to collect some cool retro video game hardware, especially stuff that doesn't take a lot of space, I'll kind of briefly describe what these are and uh, why I'm choosing the ones I, I have for the first $100. Uh, another quick caveat is I, there is no way I'm going to keep this thing under $100, so I'm going to get as close as possible. Um, so let me go ahead and start with my, my first model, and this is um, Mario's Cement Factory. So th the cool thing about these games is they are about a quarter inch thick, um, maybe two inches tall, four inches wide. This is a, uh, has a two, two buttons on the left side to go left and right, and one button, which is your action button, it says open here on the right side, and your screen in the center. These things just feel good in your hand. I mean, uh, they're small but they feel quality. They have a great feel to them. Uh, it says Game & Watch in the corner. And I guess the reason it says And Watch is um, I, it's kind of a gimmick, but I guess the time was at the time it was cool that it had a clock built in. So you could actually use this as a clock, I guess. Um, and that you could do set alarms, I think, that would beep at you. Uh, pretty primitive, but the game was pretty cool. Um, so this particular game, you can go left and right. The open button, they call it, is um, allows you to open these hoppers. And essentially what you're doing in this game is you can go, uh, there's an elevator in the middle. One side of the elevator is going to go down. The other side is going up. So there's these platforms going up and down. And that's going to allow you to get 
to two platforms on either side in the middle. And then there's a little room above the elevator and below the elevator to help you move around, um, kind of make your way back to the other side of the elevator to make yourself back up or make yourself go back down. You kind of have to see it. Um, it's pretty simple, but this is a very entertaining game. You're trying to go to these platforms and uh, above these hoppers, there's there's a platform at the very top, if you want to call it a loading dock at the very top, uh, on both the left and right side of the screens. And then below that on each side, there's a hopper. And then below that hopper on each side, there's another hopper. And then below that one, there is a truck, which you are trying to load with cement. So what's happening is um, these little conveyor belts are dropping cement powder at the top. They start filling up the hopper. Each hopper can hold three layers of cement. So once a layer is dropped into one of these hoppers, um, it'll create a bar. And then you have two more bars that can load up on top of that. If you go above three bars, you overflow and you lose a life. So what you're trying to do is get to each of these four hoppers, again, two on the left, two on the right, to pull on the lever over there to let um, a layer of the cement drop into the next hopper. And then by the time you get to that bottom hopper, you got to let that drop, that lever uh, open the hopper and drop the cement down into the truck. So the game is essentially you frantically running around the place trying to empty all these hoppers in time so that none of the bins overflow. And... Uh, there's um, two, two game difficulty modes, game A and game B. Most of these Game & Watches do have two difficulty modes. That's kind of uh, their way of adding replay value. Um, great game, and uh, one of the more common games apparently out there. Um, and it's also the one that I think most people who actually lived in this period of time and, and played these things as a kid remember. Um, love this game. It looks, let me look sharp. This thing looks like something that could have been made today. Um, in fact, they are uh, Nintendo's, what do they call that, Nintendo Club, um, released a couple of these games, I believe, recently. So if you want a fully boxed game, for example, uh, I know they do. The, the first game ever released was called Ball, so they did a reissue of Ball. Um, so Mario Cement Factory is one I'm going to uh, suggest. This is my must-have for any game to watch. This is the first one I'd own. If I only had one, this would be the one I own. And uh, again, they're kind of going for a lot of money now. Um, I think I bought mine for 30 a few years ago and now they're going for like 70 or 80. That being said, I do see a few on eBay here that people were able to snag for about 40. So we're going to call this 40 bucks. Um, the other thing that I want to make sure people know about, which is cool about these is how they display because they were also supposed to be a, a watch or an alarm. Um, they have a little kickstand you fold out on the back, um, so that when you put them on your shelf, they kind of display themselves at a 45 degree angle. Um, very cool. They take uh, they take batteries. This is very key. Um, you're gonna want to get a whole bunch of these these batteries. It's a um, SR44 or a, um, a 357 is number num another number for these batteries. So find a place where you can get these things cheap. They last for about six months in these systems. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the next game I chose because. I wanted to try to get one of each physical size of these um, these games. Well, not one of each because there's a lot of different variations these came out in. But um, the next kind of popular shape that they released a lot of games in uh, is like this clamshell shape. Now, there's two different versions. There's like a, a vertically flipping and a horizontally flipping clamshell. What's really cool about this is if you look at the one that flips vertically, you'll notice it looks almost identical to the Nintendo DS, um, the original one, that gray one, uh, and actually even the uh, like the DS lights as well. 
um, this design was so solid it looks like they went right back to this thing when they recame uh, when they came out with the DS what almost 30 years later and um, clamshell uh, looks very similar there you can see the ribbon cable just barely in between the uh, hinges and um, so if you're trying to imagine what I'm looking at here you open this clamshell up you've got a screen at the top you've got a screen at the bottom and then you've got a series of buttons um, including the d-pad which is cool because hey where did Nintendo come up with that d-pad for uh, the NES well check this thing out they've got it all over their game and watches so it was already a thing um, this is really I, I want to say this is the uh, the root of why Nintendo Nintendo became so uh, popular and uh, made, was such a success is um, the gentleman who invented the Game & Watches here. You may recognize the name, Gunpei Yokoi, who is um, famous for making a lot of Nintendo's very popular hardware. Brilliant designer, apparently. He makes some really good stuff and uh, continued to do so for many, many years. Um, but anyways, the clamshells. So the one I have selected is actually just called Mario Bros. And this is a clamshell, but this is of the uh, horizontally opening variety. So if you want to call, imagine this, it looks like a storybook. Now, it's kind of um, cool over here in America because we're not used to, to it. Um, although they were released here like this. Uh, the storybook opens backwards to us. So in the typical Japanese way, uh, where the hinge is on the right and the clasp is on the left. So when you open it, you're opening it from left to right. Now in this game, you've basically got a factory. Um, it's interesting because the real, the, the Mario Bros. arcade game, you'd think this should be a kind of a similar game, um, especially because it has the same name and the same two characters. You got Mario and Luigi on here. The game is completely different. Basically, this is another factory game. Um, so thematically, these aren't too differently, I, I guess, the two games I've chosen so far. Uh, but essentially, there is um, Mario on the right and Luigi on the left here. You can hear me clicking the buttons. I've got this one in front of me. Um, and essentially, there are three platforms on either side. Uh, material is being made at the bottom right of the screen. And as Mario, when it comes off of that bottom right conveyor, you've got to be down there to grab it, and your character automatically puts it to the left of him on that conveyor belt, which then goes between two screens. Again, there's a screen on both the left and right of this machine. Uh, between those two screens, and eventually it's going to head over to Luigi, who needs to be at that bottom location so he can grab the package, hop up one level, and then put it back on a conveyor, heading back over to Mario on the right, who can hop up again one more level to put it back on the conveyor to do Luigi now on the top left. And at that point, he needs to be there to load it into a truck. And you're, so you're basically going up and down three different levels on both sides. So it's kind of like uh, patting your belly and scratching your head at the same time. you got to be able to kind of do all these things at once. Um, the package uh, thematically uh, gains, you know, for, it starts out as just a package and then eventually adds a ribbon. Then you get a bow. And eventually, by the time it's all done, you've got a completed project. Um, you load up a full truck. The truck, once it's full, will take off. You move on to the next level where it goes a little faster. Um, this game is not quite as uh, addictive, I guess, as the Mario Cement Factory, but it's solid. Uh, again, has an alarm, has a game A, game B, a nice maroon color. Um, I actually do have this one complete. Complete this thing's I think, goes for a lot more than, than if you were to buy it um, unit only. So, again, I'm going to go with the unit only price. Uh, of approximately, you can get these things for $40 to $50. 
Um, again, for the sake of this, let's just pretend we got a great deal and got it for 40 bucks. We're at 80 bucks total, leaving us with only $20 left to spend on a Game & Watch. So what was my last uh, option here, my last choice for our, our Game & Watch first $100? Um, well, I wanted to make sure we kind of got a full uh, complement of these devices. So we've got the flat, the, the single screen, um, classic looking one. We've got the storybook, uh, hinged version. And then they came out with a series called the Microverses system. Um, truth be told, I don't think any of the Microverses system games are terribly good, unfortunately. Um, and there's not a whole lot of game and watches under that $40 mark. But I've noticed there is one here, uh, Donkey Kong 3, which is my last choice. Not because it's a great game necessarily, but because the design and concept of the hardware itself is so cool, I think you need to have one of these micro versus systems. So what this is, it almost looks like it's the size and shape of like an um, eyeglass case. And uh, again, it's got a screen on it. The screen now is a little skinnier and longer, so it's kind of like a panoramic screen. Um, again, you've got game A, game B, and time on the front. Uh, no kickstand on this one because you're not really going to be propping this thing up. But what is so cool about this is imagine you're opening up the glasses case and inside you can hear it creaking open there after years of neglect and unuse. But what you've actually gotten here is, think Nintendo Switch here guys, um, you've got retractable cable reels where the cable actually pulls out and you've got um, a controller for controller for player one and player two. Each controller has a D-pad up, down, left, and right, and a button for spray. Um, so these things actually come out, let's see how far these things go. About three feet. So each player could be three feet away from the screen. Now I wouldn't advise that, the screens aren't huge, um, to play this game. Now on the back there's a little finger wheel that you can reel back in your cable and put it right back in the case. And I, I just think these are the coolest things to own just for the sake of owning them and uh, taking them out and playing with them. Um, super cool device. So how's the actual gameplay? Again, not great, but essentially in this game, um, you have a player on the left and the right. You know what, I don't even, is one of the players must be Donkey Kong. My batteries are out right now, so I can't check. Um, I don't, see, I don't even know where Donkey Kong comes into this game, to be honest. But essentially, it's a, a, you're in like a garden and there's flowers and you're going up up down uh, between three different platforms um, you being either the player on the right or the left and you guys have bug spray and you're spraying towards the center and these bugs are kind of in the three layers in between the top center or bottom and you're trying to spray them with your bug spray now this bug spray you get a, um, a gauge you can have up to three shots of bug spray and you're shooting the bugs as they go up and down the screen. If you hit the bug, it'll move closer to your opponent. And your goal is to get one of these bugs to sting your opponent. I guess the bug is a bee. Um, although that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because you want bees in your garden. So let's call it a wasp. And um, to refill your bug spray, there is a drip behind you. So you just kind of got to be over in the middle section um, and press right, I believe. And if you're there, the drip can be caught by your bug spray and fill it up a bar. So you're trying to basically keep your bar full or get a bunch of spray, keep hitting those bugs in the center and try to get one over your opponent to sting them. Um, pretty cool concept. 
um, great little device. And uh, again, you're kind of be you're going to be searching hard to find it for twenty bucks. Um, but for the sake of my argument here, that's that's the last game and watch I would pick up. There are so many other cool game and watches, guys. I I totally suggest you take a look into this and just if nothing more than just to see the history of uh, where Nintendo came up with their hand. I mean, they've always been a handheld uh, device. Um, they always own the market in, in, in the handheld ring, if you will. So um, this kind of shows you their history, where they came from, and probably why they own this market. is because they are able to design great machines, uh, great devices that, that kind of last the test of time here. Um, there's also some color versions that are much more... Um, they have multiple colors rather than just black LCDs. Uh, they're a lot more expensive. They call them panoramas. Um, the screens, I think, are a little bigger as well. I don't own any of those, but price-wise, that one of those is going to break my $100 budget. Most likely, those things have been going for $150 to $250. They also came up with a super color version, which is like a, a vertical, taller um, screen in which uh, different sections of the screen are different colors. Um, and then lastly, they came out with, um, I actually don't have one of these. I would really like to get one of these. They call them uh, crystal screens, um, in which you can actually see right through the screen. So the LCD is, shows up, but you can see through it. Kind of gimmicky, but very cool looking. Um, some other games of note that I think are interesting, uh, but more expensive. Super Mario Bros. I know it's all Super Mario games that I'm pulling up. Um but what's cool about this is they actually took the success of Super Mario. At this point, this one was released. Oh, apparently this was 88. So they kept going for a while. Um, but they actually made a, a Super Mario Brothers platformer, a side-scrolling platformer in one of these, which is neat. Um, I'm also seeing games like Zelda, which I haven't played. That's a clamshell DS-style game. I've heard great things about that. And, uh, yeah, here it is, the very last one here. 2010, they reissued Ball, um, which is a very basic you can only go left and right type of game. But I suggest you check these out. First $100, Game & Watch Edition, that be it. So we're back here live to tape in the studio. And Eric, I wanted to address something that's come up in the last couple episodes. A mm -hmm. um, couple things here, a couple terms that I wanted to go over. Uh, the first one, um, again, I've heard a lot of other people define the term retro and yeah. again i don't really care right but i do think it's an interesting point and i do have my own viewpoint of this um and i've never heard anybody explain it in a way that made sense to me or that that worked for me yep so without giving you any insight as to my thoughts or what i've heard how would you define retro so like what is i guess yeah. what is <clears throat> what makes a game retro so I've heard some people on other podcasts talk about um, a 10-year, like 10 I've years heard the from 10 today. One. I don't. I actually look at it as two generations behind. So like, a, while I wouldn't necessarily we... think Xbox 360 is retro, but the original Xbox would be retro. Okay. And anything before that. So I tend to look at them as generations of video game systems. So... That's, I guess that to me, that's the way I kind of look at it, but I don't, I don't call people out for that. If no, someone wants course, to call yeah. like a early Xbox 360 game retro, that's fine with me. I don't really care. Yeah. It's just a name people throw around. It is. So my definition of it, and again, it's kind of a gut thing. Like an early 360 game is not retro to me. 
Okay. But I, I was trying to put a finger on it because you can, I, the timeline thing doesn't work for me because I wouldn't consider GameCube retro. See, I yeah, I tend to how, do feel like the GameCube's a little retro. To yeah, me. I wouldn't consider that retro, but I would consider the Game Boy Advance retro, even though it came out after the GameCube, right? Did it? I believe it did. Okay. So I was trying to put a finger on it, and like, what makes it retro to me? And then some people are like, it's got to be 2D games. No, it's not 2D, because I consider no. the 64 retro. Yep. And so I think the definition I came up with that makes the most sense to me is... The programmer, basically, how do I describe this? The design of the game is strictly controlled by the limitations of the system. It's kind of how I think about it. Um, okay. So, like, the early 3D stuff, <clears throat> they were, especially on the Saturn, but also with Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation... They were trying to make it work on a system. They were all kinds of tricks were needed to make that 3D happen. They were doing all kinds of stuff. Custom chips to make it happen. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yep. Ever since the Dreamcast, GameCube, what am I missing? PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. any game you can dream of was fairly easy to, and again, I didn't program them, so I don't know this. You could make that game. Now, how, how sharp the resolution of the graphics was or all that stuff might have been some, but you could make that game happen. Right. On a Game Boy Advance, trying to make a 3D game took a lot of effort and they had to do all kinds of tricks. They couldn't just make the game they wanted because they had limited, limitless amounts of power and memory. So to me, that's what makes it rep- retro. So by that definition, I think most of the stuff I feel is retro would be considered retro. Pico 8, even though it's released this year, would be retro. Because it's exactly that it's a limitation of the system yeah and you have to work around it but you don't feel like modern games have i mean modern systems like a ps4 you don't think there's limitations i'm sure i'm sure there are they don't know about it but for the most part if you can dream up a game Mm -hmm. you can make a form of it on the playstation 4 okay or a pc or vita or 3ds I don't think they're ever like, oh, what I really want to do in this game is this, but how the hell can I do that? How do I work around it? You can't. You just make it. So, like, let's just throwing out an example, like VR. Like, you can make a VR game on PS4 because it has a VR system. But what if you, but Xbox 360, you can't make a VR game for. So would that be retro? But I think you just, the only reason you can't because they don't have the peripheral. I don't think it's a software issue. Okay. I think they could make one if they had a peripheral. That supported it. Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, we can play Devil's Advocate. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's places where I'm wrong. Well, but, I, I, like I said, almost everybody has to kind of define their own yeah. term for retro. And for me, it's always two generations back. Yeah. Whatever the generations are. are. Yeah. By, by, my, my definition, a standard Xbox or PlayStation 2, there's nothing that... There's no gameplay on those systems that you couldn't do on a modern system. It's just going to be either larger or sharper imagery or, I mean, the controls, I mean, for nowadays, for example, the Commodore 64, we can do things on it now that we couldn't do back then more because of the tools to build the programs rather than the right. actual hardware. Yep. 
So the same thing. If we wanted to go back and make a PS2 version of a modern play, PS4 game, we could. It just wouldn't be nearly as graphically intense. Right. But we couldn't do that to a Super Nintendo. Yep. We couldn't do that to a C6. We couldn't. We can't do an actual portal copy on C64. We have to make a 2D version of it. Right. Which, which is cooler, but. <laughs> Anyways, that's my definition. Yep. Term one, done. Term two, Metroidvania. Yeah. Why does this bother me so much? Yeah, I don't know. Because the first time I ever heard the term Metroidvania was on the Retronauts podcast. Okay. Because it is attributed, the first time it was ever spoken was attributed to one of the hosts on Retronauts. Like in a, oh, really? in, okay. in a game when he was, I think, working on a like a review site. Like it wasn't on the podcast, but it was on like one of the sites okay. he was reviewing a game, and he threw out Jeremy Parrish. He's the one I hear the most. I don't. I don't know which one it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, it's just. I wouldn't a, say it bothers me. I guess it kind of comes down to like a, again terminology, just like my terminology of retro. If you say <clears> the Xbox is retro, and I don't agree, I don't yeah. care that much, but I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the, he was trying to define a genre of gaming. Yep. Like, it's not a platform like Super Mario because it has an inventory system. I mean, they have very specific things that have to match to make it a Metroidvania. It has to be a platformer, but it has to have an inventory system. Um, And there's a couple other definitions. Well, I was going to ask you to define it. So I can't remember it. The the main, well, not their definition, your definition. Because I would say the main concept there that Metroid started... Was you go forward in a game, mm-hmm. passing a bunch of stuff you can't get to at this point because you don't don't have an ability or a weapon or something yep. to get there yet. And then you have to backtrack. Now you can uh, go down different routes past where you've already been to find a new tangent, if you will, or a new path. And then you'll hit a, a, a spot there you can't get until you go further in the game to grab something else. Now you can go back again. Yeah, and I think we're talking about the same things, but maybe with a different, slightly different perspective. I, when I think of Metroidvania, I think it is a platformer that has an inventory system, kind of like an RPG, that has a mapping system, where you can map, not necessarily map, but know that like there, there, there basically is a world, like um, I'm not describing this right, but like a, a set map, it doesn't change. And you can navigate through it and explore it in some way to get, like what you're talking about, to get the things to move to the next level. Gotcha. All Um, right. So here's, this is how I'm going to make my point. Okay. I'm going to ask you yes or no questions. Well, I'll I'll ask you a couple questions. It's just simple. Yes or no is your only answer. Okay. And you'll instantly know where I'm going with this. Sure. All right. I'm going to name some games. Yep. And you answer yes if you consider a Metroidvania. Okay answer no if you don't okay all right these are all games that i have played okay metroid yes super metroid yes metroid fusion i'm gonna say yes but i haven't really played that it's the gba one yeah yeah i haven't played it but i'm gonna say yes okay i agree metroid uh uh, zero mission it's also on the gba yeah i mean as from what i know about it yes because even if it's 3D, it could still be a Metroidvania, right? Well, Zero Mission's a 2D platform. Okay, okay, okay. Um, it's, it's just like Zero Mission is a re- uh, reimagining of the original Metroid. I'd say yes, then. Yeah, I agree. 
Uh, AM2R. I haven't played it. Okay. Metroid Returns on the 3DS. I haven't played that either. Oh. And then this one's a stretch, I guess, but Metroid Prime. I just played that. Okay. I'm going to say yes. Because? It has an inventory system. It has a mapping system. And it is a 3D platformer. Yep. And you have to go back to... Correct. Go yep. backtrack. Great. And I, I just played this like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are all the Metroids I've played. Let's keep going with this. Remember, okay. yes or no questions. Yep. Castlevania 1. It's been a while since I've played it, but I'd say yes. Okay. I don't agree with you. <laughs> okay. What what part? Because maybe I'm getting my Metroidvania definitions Cast- wrong. Castlevania 1. Yep. You play through level 1, you finish it, you go to level 2, finish it, go to level 3. So it's more it. like a Mario. You never go back. You can't. You actually can't go back. And there's inventory. There's no inventory. You, you get an upgrade, but if you grab a new upgrade, it takes place of the old one. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not. I, I haven't played that in a long okay. time. Well, that that's started, starting to prove my point. Yeah. I don't know how I can keep going, but Castlevania 3, just like Castlevania 1. Right. Castlevania, Super Castlevania 4, is just like 1 and 3. I never okay. played 2. That's why I'm not bringing it up. Okay. On the Genesis, Castlevania Bloodlines, same thing. You play level 1, you beat it. You play level 2, beat it. Play level 3, beat it. But do you, you do have an inventory system, right? And one of those you do. I can't remember. It's the, been a while. The inventory system might show up, yeah. The only Castlevania game I've played extensively is um, is Symphony of the Night. Which is a Metroidvania. Yep. But I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Now I'm on Rondo of Blood. Same thing. You play level 1, then level 2, then level 3. And then Symphony of the Night, which is the only game on here I would consider a Metroid-like game. Which came out in PlayStation, which is what ninety four, ninety five. Right. Yep. So out of all these games I've played, all of the Metroids would be considered Metroidvanias, I believe, and only one out of one, two, three, four, five, six of the Castlevanias would be considered a Metroidvania. Okay. So that's my. I guess that's where I have my issue. <laughs> none of those Castlevanias do the backtracking thing, which is the whole point in my mind. I don't consider the inventory system part of it, but whatever backtracking gaining new abilities so you can go back and now get to places you couldn't before yeah i i have to admit i've never heard that backtracking was a a part of the definition i mainly it was i mean i guess the spirit of it is taking a platformer and mashing it with rpg elements like like inventory systems hmm. yeah I and never mapping that to part, some part degree it, but okay that's the only that's well the, the mapping would make sense because yeah. that would in, include backtracking, because you need the map to be able to see Fair where enough. you were. So and there's I, no, are there maps in Castlevania 1, 3, 4, Bloodlines, or Rondo? No. Well, there are if you don't. The computer might not keep track, track of the mapping, but I mean, if you <laughs> kept track of the mapping, you could. Yeah, but you can't go back, so who cares? That's true. I, I didn't. Again, I didn't know if that was, that was a part of the definition. Are, in Rondo, and I'm not sure about Bloodlines, and I'm not sure about Super Castlevania, there are branching paths that you can pick one or the other okay if you know about them yeah but you can't go back okay you just that's the path you took yeah i actually need to Anyways. do a little more research because i don't know what the inventors of the metrovania term yeah. like really wanted in that definition but well, yeah and again i've never <clears throat> even thought about who made the term i just every time everyone who says that's a metrovania game it's a game where you go back guacamelee yeah. you go back 
Well, when I so the last two games I've played, I think that were termed Metrovania would be um, Yoku's Island Express. We talked about that. It's the pinball game. Okay. And even though it has those mechanics, it's still a platformer, has an inventory system, and it has a mapping system. And you can go back. Yeah, you go back because there's a map. So that's definitely Metrovania. And yep. then the the last one was um, Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge. That, I was gonna yep. say that. Yep. And that one has all those too. Yep. So that's Anyways. to me that's the definition. But so that's how I put my finger on why that term didn't fit for me. I won't say yeah. it bothered me. Yeah, I never I never put much stock into the term. Yeah. It well, was just an easy way to that's pick. That's why it never made sense to me. Is I'm because and, and I only fairly recently played Symphony Symphony of the Night. So I'm like, how is any of these Castlevania games yep. have anything to do with Metroid except that they're a platformer? I, I always thought that that genre was just like platformer with RPG elements. Yeah. Well, which to a point that makes sense because you can go back in RPGs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. All right. All right. That is all. Last thing I want to ask about. I saw, uh, since I'm getting my ZX Spectrum. Yep. Uh, you always get the crash magazines don't you i i do the the new um the annuals right the yeah, books is that what they are they're books now they're books they're not magazines are they anymore. reprintings or are they new material they are new material pretty much i think there might be some reprintings in them but they're not they're pretty much modern stuff like the crash annual will have new zx section games reviewed in them. oh see now i do have to get it yeah so crash was a video game magazine for ZX Spectrum, correct. Specifically. Where Zap was the sixty-four one, and but the, these are both UK publications. Correct. That is correct. Yep. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I, I do and I, get again, them every time. I yeah. always hear about Crash, and I never had an interest because I've never had a way to even correctly play a ZX Spectrum game. But yeah. Now, now need, that I have one coming, I'm like, oh, now I need to get some of these things. I'll have to bring my annual over. It's it's very well done. They're very cool. The last annual nice. that came out. Cool. Well, now it is time for Six Good Games. All right, Eric. So this month we did six good games from the Game Boy Advance. Yep. Before we start on the games, though, uh, let's touch on the system. You yeah. are You are a particular fan of this system. I am. I really like it. And I, the, the main reason is when you talk about portable devices there it doesn't get much more portable than the game boy advance sp so you said sp right there yep do you so, have a, a standard i do you do okay it's the, i've never owned one so i have one and i it is my screen is scratched on it quite a bit mm. and the lack of a backlight means yeah. that the screen is horrible i mean i i don't like playing on it i don't like looking at it <laughs> um so that's kind of like the uh, Nintendo 64 controller. If that is where yeah. the system stopped, you would not be a fan. I would not be a fan. If, if if I never had a GBA back in the day, but if I had to get the standard one, I don't think I would like it. It it's not viewable in a shadow. I mean, you, you if you're in your car trying to play it, you're gonna have a real hard time like looking down <laughs> at like as I was a kid, you know, playing. Um, yeah, I remember trying to play my Game Boy holding it up with the car behind me had its lights on. Yep, and then it would try to pass you, and you're like, crap. <laughs> exactly so i don't i it, it wasn't until i knew of this model that then i said hey i should try to get one of these and my neighbor happened to have one and he was like i don't want it anymore he gave that to me cool i like that color too i'm looking at it here yeah. in person use this the the it's metallic like teal, sky blue yeah. yeah exactly 
Um, it's in good shape. That one is in excellent shape. And um, and then I had a few games for it, and I really liked it. And then when I got the EverDrive, it just opened it wide up. I mean, I I take that places like when I'm taking my son to his meetings for soccer or referee meeting. I take that with me, and I play it. You can play it in sunlight. You can play it outside, inside. It's a clamshell, so you're not going to scratch up the screen. Mm-hmm. Like the Switch, I mean, if you don't have a special case for it, you're going to scratch it up. Mm. Um, it really is the ultimate portable system. Slider volume control on off slider. It's got L and R buttons. Yep. And then you couple that with the EverDrive. and You, you do can... kind of get the pinched wrist thing when you're playing on the SP, though. Yeah. Have you ever tried the Micro? No, I want a Micro, but I've never been able to find one in good shape. So I I owned one for a few weeks and sold it. And then you sold it again? Yeah. So, well, the, the, the I know, I know it's not your thing. Yeah. So I found it. I got it for a good deal. And of yep. course I could sell it for more than I bought it for. And uh, I I wouldn't have bought it if it was just for me. Okay. Um, I wanted to try one. I wanted to play one. It's <clears throat> It really is tiny. It's only like double the size of the cartridge. Yeah. The screen is just so small. It's hardly playable. There was a local store that had one, but the screen was all scratched up. Yeah, a lot, and I'm sure a lot of them were. Yeah. Because they're so small, they probably only went in pockets right next to a set of keys, and then a week later, they're done. Right. Um, so I did play some stuff on that, but it this, the screen is just, it's impressive, but it's so small yep. that even the games, which are you know uh, optimized for a small screen. I, I really like this form factor for the, for the SP. Um it's easy to carry around. It's like having a Super Nintendo in a portable system. I mean, the games are actually pretty good. So so you got this relatively recently, or did you get it when it was out? <clears throat> no, no, I never had one back in the day. Okay. I, the only portable system I had was the original Game Boy, like black and white, yeah. you know, monochrome. So my history with this thing, I went to college, and the, again, I believe the GameCube had just come out, yep. and it was this amazing new system, and... I've already had my N64 for a while. In fact, I actually had my Dreamcast at this point. Okay. I think it was come, it came out at a very similar time. Um, I don't know the exact dates, but... And then everyone started getting, even in college, everyone started getting Game Boy Advances. And I'm looking at these things, and they look like kids' toys. Right. You're talking about the original one, not the, the SP. original right? yep. Game Boy Advance. Yep. They're all brightly colored. Uh, the games... Um, that were coming out from were all like old Nintendo and Super Nintendo titles. Right. And at that point, I didn't get it. We had fully moved a, a generation past the original 3D. We we're like fully in 3D. And everyone's paying, again, Nintendo prices for old games. Does this sound familiar, by the way? Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand. Why I, uh, let me play one. Nope. That's just the same old Super Mario World. I don't understand why your people are paying money for this. I don't get it. Sure. It never made sense to me. Um, so I think it was my last year in college. I saw somebody playing an RPG. It was Golden Sun mm-hmm. on an SP. Yeah. And I saw the form factor of the SP, and I just thought the hardware is so flipping cool. Yeah. Like it went from this kid toy to a backlit, which I had never seen at that point in my life. The back in the, the screen on yeah. these is really I mean, I've good. seen the Game Gear and stuff, yeah. but they the, even at that point, I knew the batteries didn't last, so you couldn't actually make it work. Right. And the guy was saying, yeah, I get like 20 hours on this battery with the light on. Yep. And I saw him playing an RPG, which I've never, at that point, played an RPG, and I was like, okay, I think I could try that. 
Yeah. And this is the one. This is the one I bought right then. I bought it used. Um, kind of cool. I bought it on our school's. Our, uh, I, went, I was in college, so I went, our school's inner school buy and sell page, which is basically like Craigslist before there was a Craigslist. It was just within our school. Yeah. And um, got Metroid. I picked up um, a Tetris game. Picked up a few things, and then one of the, one of the biggest selling points for me too was that it would play standard Game Boy games, which I still had. Yeah. Um, so I played a lot of Tetris Attack on this thing. But um, so I had a, a experience with probably seven games on this. Um, I got really into shmups in college and started. That's when I actually started my retro game interests. Yeah. Um, so I picked up the R-Type game that was on the Game Boy Advance. I yeah. picked up Gradius Galaxies. That was and, a good one. Um, Iridian. Yep. 3D and Iridian 2, I think. Yeah, I think I have those on here. Iridian 2 is actually pretty good. 3D was pretty marginal. Yeah, the 3D one was. Oh, I heard, the, I heard it in the... Uh, it? Oh, let me try it. Let me see if I can join in. We're just going to play Game Boy in silence exactly. for the rest of the show. Iridian 2 I have on here. Yeah, and I played. So I remember that one being pretty good. Yeah. Um. So anyways... I didn't fall in love with this thing until I, as time went on, I realized how cool it is. Yeah. Now, that being said, you love this thing. I do. And I love the hardware. And it sounds like you love the hardware. Yep. I wanted to pick out my three of our six good games. <clears throat> okay. And I had a hard time finding games. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Because one of my own personal, again, this is kind of the same thing from back then. I don't want to pick a game that is just a old game shoved onto my Game Boy Advance. Okay. And if you type in top 100 Game Boy games, more than half of them look like... The, and the Super Mario thing drives me nuts. They're like, Game Boy Advance Mario 2, which is Super Mario 3. It's like the the numbers are... That's not accurate, probably. Yeah. But it they actually to be... say, Game Boy Advance Mario, this number, in reference to this Mario number, which is a completely different number. It's, Yeah. But I was looking at somebody's top 10, and three of the games were like Mario 3, Super Mario World, and some other Mario games. It's like, those aren't Game Boy Advance games. Those are right. ports. Those don't count. I don't care about that. Um, and then there was a lot of shovelware on this as well, especially towards the later years. Yep. That's um, true. So I, I honestly had a hard time picking games I really wanted to put on here. Um there's one game we both picked, and thank you for letting me have it because it is by far my favorite Game Boy Advance game. Yep. Um, Did so you? So I go ahead. Why don't you start? Why don't you start off? Well, before I get there, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. Um, and I probably should have said this during my EverDrive review. I also have a device behind me from uh, Hyperkin, which I just unplugged from my. I saw that. I was like, while it was on. It is Hyperkin, right? I don't know. Retrobit. Retrobit. Oh, retro I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. By Retrobit. It's called the Super Retro Advance Adapter. Yeah. And it's a basically a Nintendo Super Nintendo cartridge that you can put your Game Boy game in the top and it allows you to play your Game Boy games on the Super Nintendo using a Super Nintendo controller. Right. So you can and it enlarges it to the big screen. Funny thing is it doesn't actually use any of the video portion of your Super Nintendo. You actually attach this adapter to the side via a one-eighth inch jack and plug those into your tv okay so really all you're doing is using the control your super nintendo controller through your super nintendo to control the game and it just powers it 
and then the power yeah powers the cartridge and then the output goes yeah. via a separate cable so the super nintendo really just does controller and powering the cartridge yep. yeah yeah all right cool thing about it is any game boy advance game and uh actually i think all the old game boy games and game boy color games also work and the, so the question i was going to ask you earlier and we saved it for the show was does your everdrive work in there that's what i was hoping did um, it? i'll get there in a second so when you play these games on the TV, one thing I will say is you realize how chunky the sprites are, mm -hmm. so that they are when you're playing on a small screen, it makes sense. Yes. It also makes the games much easier. <laughs> yeah. I played Iridian 3D, we just mentioned that one, on my handheld a number of times and got to level a World 3 or 4 or whatever. Okay. The very first time I plugged this in this thing, I played through all eight worlds and beat the game. Yeah. I don't know what it is, just about having a bigger screen, being able to see things that much easier... It just the game. Yeah, everything got everything gets easier. Sure. No, I can. I totally can see that. So I don't know if you consider that cheating or not, or whatever no. your personal preferences are. But just having a bigger screen makes it easier. Yeah. So to answer your question, I shoved the EverDrive in there. Yeah. And I was excited because I'm like, cool, I get to play all these games on my TV. Which, if you think about this, is just completely stupid. Because you and I always talk about how I want real hardware. I don't care if the games are real. At this point, I'm using completely wrong hardware and software, and there's right, and somehow it's not emulation, but it is emulation. <laughs> I don't know what it is at that point. Yeah, if you've got your Super Nintendo working towards a cart, which is working towards a ROM flash cart thing, whatever you call that, EverDrive, there's no Game Boy hardware or software physically there. Right. But I always I mean, wondered, like, is, I always, yeah. like, I always go on the forums to see if, like, those Retron systems, yep. if they support the EverDrive. Some do, some don't. But the the benefit of having HDMI right to a TV, that there's some benefit to that. So, yeah, you're not using original hardware, but you're using something that takes the original controllers. And that's something. You know what I mean? So what's the bottom line? To, so me, for, to me, somehow that feels legit, and I love the way it feels. Yeah. So... So did the EverDrive not work on it? It does not work. Okay. I plugged it in, and the very first thing it says is, it actually brings up a little line of text that says, Rebooting FPGA, which made me freak out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you don't, yeah, don't want to And I shut it off immediately and just started crying. I'm like, nope, it's bricked. It's done. But it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. I went online and did find some other people who, who flipped theirs on and off repeatedly, and it kept getting that same messages, but theirs still works, so. Okay. So that was a bummer. Yeah. But um, anyways, so uh, the other part of this whole thing is when we decided to do this, I was all excited to do these games. And that's when I realized I had no way to play these games except for PC emulation, which I didn't want to do. Okay. I want to do hardware and I only have a handful of actual games. Um, so I went and bought my EverDrive, which I'm glad for. Yeah. And, uh, but I only got like 10 days to actually dig into some games. And play. Yeah, I know. Cause I remember you get, you got that pretty late in our, in our recording. Like you probably only had a couple of weeks to mess around with that. Yep. Yep. And then I actually already had, um, a whole bunch of the ROMs luckily. So I didn't have to go find my legal copies of my ROMs of all the games <laughs> right. I actually own. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I started sifting through there and, um, you know, I already mentioned it, but, um, you can hear it turning on here again. Started going through the ROM list, and uh, all the games were... And here we go. Uh, well, they have Mario Party Advance, which I guess is, a, is specific to this system. 
but then um, a whole bunch of ports. A whole bunch of ports. Yep. Um, which I did not want to deal with. So I did find a few games. I played a bunch of games that I thought I was going to like, and I didn't. Um, so I don't know why I don't love the system as much as you do, unfortunately. I really wanted to like Jazz Jackrabbit. Do you remember that game? I never played it, no. It was a original PC game, and it was this great shooter platformer. Never but played on, it. on the GBA, it's a completely different game. It's still okay. a platformer, but everything's way too chunky. It doesn't feel anything like the original. Right. So you're going to let me start, so I'm going to go ahead. I'll save my, my best for last. Okay. My first game I chose... And you, I like to choose unique games on these. Yes, I like to find good games that people don't know about. I know I don't I don't get as bugged as ports as you do. I that's fine. Um. So well, and the, the concept between that for me is I, if it's a port and you want to play it, that's great. But if it's going to be a GBA game, it should be a GBA game. Sure, that's what I think. But yep. Um. Yeah, I, I do see your list. <laughs> But my uh, first one is a game called Drill Dozer, which I believe only came out on the GBA. Okay. Um, very cool game. It's a platformer. Sla- I'm going to call it a platformer puzzler. Okay. Um, you are essentially, it's kind of, it's very J- uh, Japanese anime inspired, I would guess. But you're a, a little girl in a robot suit. You call a mech, right? Okay, yeah. A mech. Right. Um. And the main ability of this this robot, you can jump, and you can you have a big drill on the front of your mech, and it can drill using your L and R buttons. It'll drill drill right or left, so clockwise or counterclockwise, I guess. But um, so there's some enemies, and you can kind of charge them and kill them. But they're kind of there just to be in the way. The real concept of the whole game is there's these blocks, and you can break through those. There's certain blocks that you have to drill for a certain period of time, but your standard drill will overheat or something like that and stop so you have to go get an upgrade to double the speed of your drill yeah and there's kind of a cool way where you hold down the drill button until the a bar goes to full and then at that point you have like half second to let go and click it again and then it'll go up to the next gear if you will okay and you can max it out at three different uh, uh three uh three speed so you'll keep running into stuff where you have to get into bricks that that need more and more drilling to get through and uh it becomes a Metroidvania. Uh. <laughs> you basically have to go to the places where you get stuck. Then you find the drill gear. Now you can go back and break through those blocks to go to new portions to get another piece to go back to it find another cool. piece and break through. So they're like little Metroidvania stages because once you beat the stage, you do move on yeah. to a new level. But each stage, your drill starts back at level one and you have to fight find your way all the way through again. Um, the other cool thing about it is there are boss fights at the end of each stage. And the boss fates are, uh, again, you wouldn't know, <laughs> but they're very reminiscent of um, a Mega Man Dr. Wily boss fight. Okay. So Dr. Wily, I'm sure you've heard of him, but at the uh, after you beat the main bosses in the Mega Man game, you go to Dr. Wily's lair, and he's in these really big machines, and you have to find out basically what the strategy is to beat him. You can't just shoot him a bunch or whatever. Okay. So this is similar. These, these bosses have weak spots that your drill... Um, uh, you're not just like shooting him or punching him or something. You have to like find a way to where he's at his weak point where you can stick your drill into the weak spot and spin it until it blows up or whatever. And then you then he moves to the other side. You get to do it again or whatever it is. Okay. Um, so they're, the boss fights are really creative. The art in this game is just good, chunky cartoon art. 
um on such a small it. screen it looks it looks solid and um yeah just really cool and i, I think it was only like six but you can get them for like six bucks right now really cart oh wow yeah looked looked solid that looks awesome that's i mean that sounds awesome i'd like to try that out yep so the, my first one is driller two and that one i think you've played that one right i haven't well i have and i have not i I've played Mr. Driller on my Dreamcast a ton in college. Okay. And that, that's the same family. I mean, it's the same family of games. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but they are related to Dig Dug. <laughs> I just realized we can go ahead and play like audio from these games. Um, <laughs> so Driller 2, you uh, it's basically a puzzle game, which I don't really like puzzle games that much, but really? I, I love Driller oh, I 2. I love puzzle games. Okay. But you drill down through blocks, and if you hit the dark brown blocks, you it takes you more like to drill, dirt. and it, you lose more air. And one benefit is you have to go find the little air capsules to fill up your air meter, and you just keep drilling down, and you just you just go from level to level. And if you don't hit the air capsules, you'll eventually you'll run, run out and die. Run out of air, and you die. So you have to find you have while you're drilling down, you have to get these air capsules. Um, so it is a puzzle game in that way because, you know, they're configured in a way to make it a lot more challenging. There'll be fewer air capsules or they'll be in a way where the bricks above you can fall on top of you if you don't dig correctly. Yep. Um, it's a puzzle game in the sense that Tetris is where correct. it's really not a puzzle, but it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Things are, instead of things are falling, you're the thing that's falling. Correct. The and level try, is yeah. made in such a way to thwart you as you go into higher levels. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's a good one. So you should try it out if you uh, if you can. Yep, Max. I, you can hear me turn it on here. I physically turned it on. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cartoony graphics. Uh, it's, it's Japanese art. This is an anime, but it's that... Um, like powder puff girls, like really huge yep. eyes, yep. um, kind of small chibi characters. Yep. Um, but the actual gameplay is blocks and, and you're a driller shooting down. It's a, the drill is kind of like a jackhammer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm, I can almost guarantee I'll be addicted to this tonight. It's a great game. and It is probably the game I've played the most on the GBA. Yeah. And that type That's of game is perfect for, yep. for this. Cool. All right. So my next game is a cop-out. My next two games are cop-outs because, again, I was trying to find some cool, fun, unique games. Um, I tried Car Battler Joe. Have you heard that one? Yep. Um, so I tried that one. It's like an RPG but with a um, kind of almost go-kart racing, Mario Kart type of racing segments. Yep. I just didn't get far enough into it to actually realize if it was a good game or not. I'm going to keep playing it. Um, it didn't grab me instantly, but RPG-type games eventually well, the, get there usually the one thing you told me was that this is we pick six good games on the on whatever platform correct and that that broadened my horizons because i was like always searching for the, the best, best games which they don't have to be no they can they just don't. be fun so but i i even had a hard time finding games that i just want my seal of approval on like this is right. a good game okay um I remember playing a game called Carnage Rally. I yep. did have that one, which is, I love the concept. It's basically kind of like uh, Micro Machines or uh, um, another game, uh, what do you call it, uh, Off-Road. Yeah. Where you're playing these and you collect power-ups and you save money and you buy upgrades. And I love that whole concept, but I started playing into it and I realized after I got my second car that it just got bad. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm like, gosh darn it. Certain games can get tedious. Yeah. And I'm like, this game didn't do it either. So this one's a cop out and I did not want to pick this game. In fact, I didn't even, um, it's on a lot of people's top tens. It's one of the better games considered on the GBA. And uh, it's just such a straightforward Nintendo title that I did not want to pick it. But the truth is, every time I turn this on to look for a game, I decided to click on this because I just wanted to get a little further. And okay. I realized, you know, I keep playing this game. This is a, this is a, a damn good game. Wario Land 4. Okay. And you know what? I've never played it. Yeah. So I should it's, try it out. It's good. It's, I mean, it's Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> um, one box. One box for Mario Land 4 on That's your right. notes there. Like that. Not two. One nope. on this one. But, um, so I would call this one, it's actually very similar to a fe- the feel of Drill Dozer. It's a puzzle platformer. Okay. I would, I would call it. Um, again, there's enemies and stuff, but they're, they're more of a nuisance. Um, you're really trying to run around and do the puzzle. But it has a bunch of different moves that you can do as Wario. You can charge. You can butt stomp. That's always kind of been his big thing um, to break things. And um, it's got an overworld map, but it's not like a Super Mario overworld map where you can go you know, along the path, go wherever you want. It's interesting. It's kind of the star, and you can go to... Um, I don't know how to explain it. You can go to any spoke and and start working down that spoke, but then you can also work go back to the the hub and then work on another spoke. Yeah. Um. You're trying to collect um five pieces of you know I, I apologize I don't remember the actual plot but five pieces of something to get to the main boss, and I've made up myself all the way down one spoke and beat a boss and I started on a couple of the other ones uh, at this point but I'm going to keep playing. Um. Again, it has that really good chunky cartoon graphics. Um, each level, it's not doing the same things over and over again. Each level adds some unique new feature that you haven't seen in the previous one. So it's always fresh and new. And then there, the bosses, of course, have tons of personality, and you have to figure out the strategy to beat them. It's not um, the same thing for every boss. They're definitely all different. Um, I always get a kick out of the fact that Wario is supposed to be what Mario's uh, anti-Mario. Yeah. Like the so apparently yeah yeah apparently uh, if you have a bright Mirror red universe. nose and a, a mustache that looked like it got electrified you become evil yeah and he's uh, a little pudgier um it was funny because he's uh, if you're gonna party with one of these guys it's gonna be Wario let's be right. honest but... <laughs> exactly so solid game um I'm just embarrassed to pick such an obvious pick but I couldn't say no when I kept going back to it yeah so if it's fun. It is. So the next one I had is, I guess in your terms, would be a cop-out too. It's Final Fight 1, which is just, you know, pretty much Final Fight on the Game Boy Advance. Um, it's a great beat-em-up. I mean, there's nothing fancy about it. I don't really need to spend a lot of time on about it. You know you've played Final Fight before. So it, is it It's literally just Final Fight? It's pretty much Final Fight, yeah. I mean, it's got the same, the same characters, the same... I mean, it, from what I remember... It pretty much is the same one. Okay. So it's not like I know they, it's really confusing, but they came out with Mighty Final Fight on the NES and they all became chibi characters. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Um, Um, If I remember right, I mean, it's been a little bit since I've played Final Fight 1, but if I remember right, it is the same. I mean, I do love Final Fight and I love playing as myself. Yeah. Um, there it is. Oh, no, it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> I like how you keep hearing our, our Game Boys turn on. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall! 
yeah, Final Final Fight is solid, and I actually didn't even know it was on the on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I wonder yeah. why that why they call it one. Final Fight One. I don't know, but check this out and see if you remember it. I mean, see if that is matches up to your. I mean, I it, it, admittedly it's not exactly like Final Fight, but I mean, I thought it was a pretty much a just a version of Final Fight that's on the GBA. There's Cody. Yep. Yep. Nope. That that actually looks exactly like Final Fight. Yeah. Cool. That's solid. But I mean, I I like it. I wonder it, if you can play that with a link cable. It's smooth. It's got it. it it's got great graphics. It's pretty much Final Fight it on looks the GPA. Great, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's one of my picks. So that is I'll cool. Let you move on to the next one. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why move on? So I just uh, learned something recently. Yeah. What's that? And I'm looking at yours, and I totally just noticed it. And now I'm jealous. What is that? Um. What? I looked at your screen instantly. I've got jealous, and now I need to own one. So you have the most, uh, from my, my understanding, the most desirable Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah. You knew that? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought that's what I asked you. I thought it was the same. Mo- I thought you had the same model. No, nope. mine's a zero zero one. Mine's a one hundred one. Here's a one hundred one. Yeah. The screen is infinitely cooler looking. Is it? Oh it's my brighter? goodness. Now I'm all jealous. Here, I'm gonna. I'll do this. It's side by side. <laughs> I'll side by side this, and I'll show you here later. But okay. So my next game is. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna do this right okay. now. I'll just keep talking. Okay. Um. Gosh darn it! Now I need to go buy another Game Boy Advance <laughs> My next game is. Oh wow, um, <laughs> that's a huge difference. Yeah, it's huge. That's oh, huge. Oh wow! I will be. I will be buying one of those. Wow. Maybe that's why your battery doesn't last as long. That that could be. You're right. I'll turn on final or I'll pick a game. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so my best, my last game is the, my absolute favorite GBA game. I spent by far the most time on this game, and that is Advanced Wars, which we've already mentioned again every episode so far. It came yep. up. Um, uh, not a whole lot more to say about it that hasn't been said, but uh, really good. It's a, a I mean, it's a Japanese original, but it was um, ported, not ported, translated. And um, it's a tactical war game where you have... He's showing me again. <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'll turn this it off. looks so much better. It's very uh, bright. Uh, That's, right. And so I thought you were experiencing the same thing I was. No. I mean, this, this is like uh, almost like I'm on a Super Nintendo in your pocket. I mean, it looks better. That screen's amazing. That's like near... I mean, I'm... It's obviously not Vita quality, but it has the it's same not feel. Vita quality, yeah. It has the same feel to it. That bright. Yeah. I'm getting one. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Shop Goodwill tonight. Um, but yeah, Advanced Wars, a uh, game I've always loved. Tactical War game. You get to play all kinds of little missions. Yep. They're short enough missions uh, that you could play one in the earlier ones in five to 15 minutes. Yep. As you get further along, they take longer and longer because you have to get more and more thinky. Um, but you can also, if I remember correctly, you can earn one, two, or three stars on the missions. Yep. So, of course, you want to try to get all threes if you can. And so you, it um, has some replayability. You can go back and yep. try to achieve your three stars. Yep. Yep. I think you can play multiplayer on it. I think you can... Um, it's been a while since I played it. I just, I've spent so much time on that game, mainly in college. and uh, But it'll be something like you have tanks or um, light armored vehicles, yep. light medium tanks, uh, large tanks. Um, you'll have infantry, you'll have bazookers, bazooka, artillery. artillery. Yep. 
So all these different troops on the ground, and then you can also take land uh, ports and then make boats, and you'll have destroyers, and you'll have... Uh, and you can load people onto transports transports. And move them across, yep. You can also take over airports. When you take over airports, then you get bombers and fighters. Um, but basically, it's a grid-based tactical game where you're running around. Um, for example, if your, your bazooka guys attack infantry on a road space, there's no advantage, uh, but the bazooka... You always start uh, a full a full unit is ten. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's supposed to be ten people or ten hit points or what. Right. Um, but for example, the bazooka guys will attack the artillery on an open road. The artillery will kill two of your bazooka guys, but because the bazooka guys are stronger, they'll take out six of your artillery, and you'll be down to eight to four for that turn. Um, whereas, of course, like large tanks would just destroy the artillery um, or the inf- infantry. I'm sorry. Um, so different vehicles have different uh hit points they do to different other um, units um, but there's also terrain values so if you're up on a mountain you're protected defensively and uh maybe you're shooting down on the, the enemy unit so there's all these kind of uh strat- strategies or tactical advantages you can get um it's a war game it's yeah like, but it's a cute little easy to swallow Yep, war game. And I remember, remember I told you Military Madness on yep. the on the TG sixteen. It's a lot like that game, which I haven't tried, but yeah. But the game I just mentioned that's coming out is very much like this, so I'm absolutely going to play it. I'm trying to find it again. What I call it, um, War Groove. Yeah. Yep. In Advance Wars, from what I remember, it's been a few months since I played it. It that one is. There is much more story to it. Little yeah. cutscenes, you know, and it kind of pushes you through the storyline. Military Madness doesn't; it, they just give you an overview, and you're. It's pretty much just. Yeah, that's true. There is a storyline. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know, there's a lot of Advance Wars on GBA, isn't there? Like three? I think there's only two because there's a second one. Advance okay. Wars Two is called like Black Hole Rising or Black something like that. Yep. Yeah, which I have not played. So and I thought I... there was another, like at least one more called. Um... I can't remember now, but okay. Maybe there is only two. Maybe I'm thinking something else. Hmm. Cool. Okay. But my last one is metal slug advance, which part. Yeah. We don't really need to, we don't need to go too much into it. If you know, does that also play just like the arcade? It's not, it's a different version. I mean, it That's is, a, cool. it is a whole different levels hold. I mean, it's the same yeah. tropes, you know, but it is a whole different platform whole different level but it i love metal slug i've loved it on neo geo but if you don't have a portable neo geo system i mean it looks amazing it the graphics are exactly the same it's smooth no slowdowns it's awesome what are the limitations that keep the challenge up there's not i mean there's no limit i mean it's credited no it, it plays just like metal slug to me i mean i've i've played it well, that's the, that's what i guess again to my same point i made er- earlier my issue with all the arcade metal slugs is I can just eat, keep adding quarters until I beat it. Oh, like I want, yeah. I want a limitation saying, all this right. This one does. I, I don't know what the limitations are because I'm actually pretty good at metal slugs. So I, I can just play <laughs> this until it's almost. Uh, I'll just beat it. I'll just well, beat it real quick. Well, it's not about, it's not a, it's not an easy game, but I mean, it's, I, I don't, I've never tested the limits of the limitations on it. Okay. So, but uh, it's a great Metal Slug version, and it's different. It's unique, so it's not like Metal Slug. Or yeah, like... it's cool that they make. There's a lot of different Metal Slugs out there. Yep. Um, they have a lot of the compilations, and I've got all the games in my main cabinet. And then, again, my favorite one, uh, 
I shouldn't say it's my favorite because it's not, but the one I've played the most, though, is the Neo Geo Pocket Metal Slug, even though it does play com- completely differently. Um, yeah, that's a nice one. But it's because it has those limitations. And yeah. It, it, I actually have to beat it. Right. I can't just play <laughs> through it. So, cool. Right on. That was six good games. Um, for the next episode, I, I briefly ran you by this. We've been talking about Metroidvanias so much, maybe we should just do six good Metroidvanias. Yeah. It'll be interesting because I need to... Now we need I, to redefine. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really sort my games into genres like that, but if we're going to think about Metroidvanias, I'm going to have to kind of dig in the definition a little bit okay. and then pick out... I'm sure I've played many Metroidvania games over the years that I just didn't think about terming them as Metroidvania. I can so. almost guarantee you right now you're going to pick one or two that I'm going to be like, that's not a Metroidvania. <laughs> I probably will. That's Cody, true. I played Adventure of Link. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Yep. Um, cool. I think that'll be a good one. And uh, I'll tell you right now, just to let you go there with your mindset, that I'm not going to stick to 18 or, or 8 or 16-bit systems. No. There's a lot, of, a lot of new ones out. Yeah. Retro-inspired is absolutely on the table with this podcast. So absolutely. I've got a bunch I've been playing. That's kind of been my favorite genre of the last couple of years. So. Yep. I love it. Right on. All right, well, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. Um, This is the point where we simply talk about what we are looking forward to and if there's anything else we need to clean up before we take off. Yeah. What are you looking forward to, Eric? Uh, I'm looking forward to getting that Ultimate 64 board, so I need to find another nice Commodore 64 that's in good shape, good keyboard, all that, to pop that into and maybe just kind of get back into... You don't have one laying around? I have a ton in the garage, but none of them yeah, are in great do. shape. Oh, really? They've all been okay. Frankensteined, and I mean, you saw. I mean, I was pulling parts out for yours, and which you know we need to get. I was gonna say I've got that one right there. We need to get that fixed up. Well, so that, yeah. What's, got... So what's the difference? What's the difference between that one and that one? Uh, nothing. Oh, okay. The, the only difference is that one. The video output is okay, but that one works wonky. well. This one works great. Okay, good, good. I didn't think you had one that worked well. Oh, no, this one works great. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yep. Yeah, for me, um, a few things are coming out or have come out that I really want to play. Oh, I mentioned Guacamelee 2. Yep. Yeah, and I play that. I'll probably hold off on it just because I just played through it and I don't want to burn out. Yep. But I do want to play that. Um, I actually did write down the Commodore 64 version of Portal. Yep. Which I'm very excited about. Um, I mentioned earlier we talked about an, an anime game and how... There's no reason to really HD them because they're already anime. How how much better can they really look? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I bought uh, actually I bought this a while ago, but Akami HD. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah yeah. I've so, seen it, but I've never played it. N- nor have I. Um, I heard great things, and I wanted to get it for my PS2. And then right when I was about to pull the trigger on that, they released it for PS4 in HD. Yeah. And I'm like, you might as right, well at that point. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, it's just that really crazy cool japanese ancient japanese art yeah um you're this wolf and i don't know i'm i'm excited to play it yep. uh and i you know speaking of that um i red dead redemption 2 is coming out so yep. at the end of this month it's october so uh, I'm, I'm getting that my son really wants to play it too so yeah that looks great something we're gonna do together i love twin six shooters yeah um, there's not a whole lot of those out anymore. That was big for a while. That's kind of stopped. But um, I heard amazing things about Nier Automata, or Automata, however you want to say it. What's that on? 
I think it's on lots of different systems. Okay. No, maybe it is just PlayStation. Yeah, God, it's just the, PlayStation. The last twin stick one I really enjoyed was um, um, Geometry Wars, like on the Xbox 360. Yeah. And then there was one on um, Steam, which was called uh, Fist of Gun. That was hmm. that was a lot. I haven't of fun. heard of that one. That's that's a lot of that was a good one. So this is a full fledged like. Um, I mean, Geometry Wars is absolutely a cool arcade game. This is a full-fledged story with different characters oh, okay. that, uh, that pop out and you have to destroy them or whatever. Um, but I heard the story is amazing. Hmm. Um, it's getting crazy, like, nine-plus reviews out of ten. Okay. Um, and that's out soon? It's not out yet? No, it's been out for a while. It's oh, been okay. out for a couple of years now, I think. Okay. I'll I just never see. got around to getting it. But uh, from what I heard, you play through the story and you're like, okay, that was all right. And then they're like, yeah, but keep playing. And you start playing again, you realize you're not actually, even though you press restart, you're playing a whole different game now. Oh, wow. And it relates backs onto your first story. And then it does it again. And the third time through is even crazier. Like it just, but, oh. but it's not the same game. It, it's essentially more of this, uh, more story. Yeah. But you have to technically press restart. That's pretty like, cool. It's, I guess it's, it's supposed to be like mind blowing. The story is supposed to be really cool. And the gameplay is great. And the last one I'll mention uh, did come out. The Messenger, have you heard of this? No. <clears throat> so, uh, it's basically a spiritual sequel to Ninja Gaiden games. Oh. And um, cool. it's supposed to be really good. I um, heard amazing things. And at some point in the game, all of a sudden, it unlocks 16-bit mode. And all of a sudden, you can flip the graphics back and forth between 8 and 16. I don't. It's kind of a gimmick, but apparently the gameplay is feels just like that ninja gaiden really tight have you played a lot of ninja gaiden i have i okay. played the, on the nest yeah i didn't want to call you out when the name of our show is pixel no, Gaiden. I played obviously it. related yep um but those tight really tight controls where you just feel like if you make a mistake it's on you because everything is just you feel yep. like you're connected yep and uh heard great things about that so that's what i'm looking forward to right on cool well, that's the end of this show, so I guess uh, all we can do now is uh, say, remember, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at Project. that's D-U-H project. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.